Hey, Internet. Good morning. Welcome to the Saturday Morning Chill. I am Riffis, the Mad Christian. It's good to be back. We got the studio kind of in flux still, but hopefully you won't even know this morning, even though... I, I, do you get tired of me telling you this? It's not all really according to plan, but that's okay. It seems to be working out pretty good anyway. So we got a lot of great stuff from you this morning to dig into and really asking questions about how do we discern in the midst of the white noise of this present age, what the will of God is for us as Christians across a whole panoply of things, right? And sometimes the answer's in the Bible, and sometimes the answer's learning to discern in the mouths of two witnesses what's going on. So we'll walk through some of that, what do we call it, discernment training this morning with your questions and my answers, uh, as well as dig into, well, uh, even content that uh, in the past I've been nervous to tread into, but I think I think we have to at this point. And so I'll save that for, for a little little bit later, but I want to share a couple things with you right off the bat here. I'm kind of excited about this. Um, it's, it's nerdy, and I think there's a better way to do it than what I'm doing. But I stumbled into this past week carrying around Magic the Gathering cards, which I don't believe are, in fact, from Satan. There are some that are better than others in terms of their artwork and whatnot. But they have this really quite amazing artwork on them. You can see this is a one of the first cards I ever bought. It's called Sunplast Angel. <clears throat> it came in a, a starter pack. It's, it's quite useless, generally speaking, actually, but that's why it's in a starter pack. They, they want you to buy more. But I bought it because it was pretty, right? That's what I wanted to do. Well, so now I've started carrying this around with me just to remember a Bible verse. Just to remember a Bible verse. Our enemies shall be as chaff before the wind with the angel of Yahweh, the Lord, Joshua, driving them before us. Yeah, um, And that is from, hold on, hold on, hold on. Nope, I haven't got that memorized yet. Psalm 35, 5. But I'm working on memorizing. I'd like to know where it's from. I like to say it. I like to have to show up in my life and have this beautiful picture and remember that, in fact, that's what the Lord is always doing for his Christians and his church. Not always to my liking and sense of, like, my flesh getting tickled by the results of the whole thing, but certainly to the liking of my faith in seeing the promises always being fulfilled. That is, that word and sacrament will sustain us into the day which is coming, which is certainly better than, than the present day. So it's been a lot of fun to like carry around pretty artwork. This is one of my favorites. Um, it maybe takes longer than it should to explain, but uh, it's one when I'm feeling fearful in life and I want to not be afraid anymore. Uh, I try to say this out loud. And so having this show up in my pocket every once in a while just helps me deal with that. And whether or not you deal with fear, I do. So, you know, this is something I got to deal with. So this is a text from when David is facing down Goliath. And he says this, he says, you come at me with sword and spear, but I come at you with the name of the Lord, Joshua, Jesus, whatever you want to say, you know, the Christ. I come at you in the name of Yahweh and I will cut off your head. <clears throat> so, uh, sword and spear there is coming at us, Christians, right? Uh, we're going to cut off the head of the beast, the white noise, with the word of God, knowing that Jesus is sufficient and his resurrection gets us past all these things. So, again, I've just had such a blast finding these old cards that are pretty much, I'm mostly picking penny cards up, and like I pick a piece of art and I, I that I, I think it makes me think of a verse I remember. I look it up, I kind of put it into a phrase I can remember. I don't worry too much about the narrow translation. I want the idea. I want to pray these things, right? I want to become my prayer. So, I write a prayer based on it on the back of the card, carry it around to memorize it. Um, Lutherans, we don't do this enough. You don't have to use magic cards to do it, but we really should be working on putting Bible words in our head so they come back out of our faces. Yeah, it's called it's called confessing the faith, and 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 we don't do a great job of this as a culture. We, we really do not. Um, and so whatever it takes for you to be inspired by the Word of God again and to remember that it really is true. That when you're walking around right now, your enemy shall be as dust before the wind with the angel of Joshua of Jesus Christ driving them before you. Yeah, uh, that is a good thing to know. 
in the present age, is it not? And and would that we knew more of it and didn't have to just remember now, but take the gut check for what it is. Um, the other piece here, ah, yes, I'm going to be working on this more and more, and so I want to practice it here with you this morning real quick. I'm trying to get away to help us as mad Christians quickly say the creed without having to pause and say the creed, and really without having to say the creed. Mm. Why? Not so that we would lose the creed. No, I'm, I'm talking about like when you're in a conversation with your neighbor in the backyard and you don't have time to go through all three articles of the creed in your moment of this is my chance. What do you say? How much do you say? Um, I had several opportunities in the past week to experience this. Uh, I had already been working on some of the ideas, but then it, it, these conversations fell into my lap while I was at a conference this week outside of the conference. And and twice, this is not, I mean, I, I wish it were more often. This is not my normal experience. I was confessing the resurrection of Jesus to people who had maybe heard it once, but hadn't heard it for a while. Um, and uh, uh, that was cool. Yeah? But it's also rattling around, like, how do we get better at this? Does this have to be random? I mean, why not have the conversation be about how death is not really something I'm afraid of right now, even though I'm certainly going to wear a mask in your establishment, right? I mean, th- why not? And how do we have that? So what I've been working on is, is this list of a couple of things that I think like if, if we can find ways to be comfortable saying this, and I, I'm putting it in like the most simple language possible, not so you would repeat it at ver- verbatim per se, but so that you would use it as a springboard, as a gist by which you get to something better to say that you know, because you know you know something about Jesus. You do. You're just afraid to say it because it's scary to talk about Jesus because the devil hates the words and he's curved the universe to make you not say them. This is true. That's that's not a fantasy. That's not a dream. That's a fact of life. And if, if the words have not been coming out of your mouth for a while, well, who's winning the game you're playing right now? If this is a first-person shooter and Christianity is your game, what's happening, right? Who's, who's calling the shots? And this is where the white noise is such a dangerous thing because the white noise calls the shots. That's all it ever does is call the shots. Someone calls you on the phone and they might be your friend, but if they were in a conversation, you might have said, hey, I'm not, I'm, I, I, you can't come over right now. But right now they call you on the phone, they have you immediately, and they've demanded your time, not because they're cruel, but because the technology, the technology makes it impossible to stop the white noise it, it, of itself. So how do you cut off the head of that from telling you what to do and reestablish what you do? In the pattern which is given you by Christ, right? In the in the imitation of the faith, which is dogmatized forever in the Lutheran confessions, of course, but especially in the scriptures, which declare what? And how do we say that quickly? And that's what I'm working on. He is risen. That's one. Number two, you are paid for. Number three, you cannot die. Number four, there's this water that seals it. Number five, there's this food that feeds it. Number six, he won't be long now. And, and number seven, that's Christianity. Now, all our debates about justification and ordinance, those all matter. Those all totally matter, right? But you have to be wrong off of these truths to have that be where you get to, right? So I'm not worried about talking to someone on the street, them you know, accidentally making a papa- uh, you know, what, what a Carthusian era from medieval pap- uh, papacy. Papacy, that's fun. The papacy. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I, I want to make that a wrap now for some reason. In any case, uh, we don't need to worry about protecting them from boogeymen of the past until they've been converted. <laughs> like, like we should convert them. And then they'll find error in their own heart. And then we teach them according to what we've learned from the past, what the solutions to that are. And so the names of the past are valuable, but not really as your first step. Your first step has got to be something that's about the positive reality we Christians believe. Hey, want to be my friend? I believe in Jesus. Okay, why is he cool? What makes him different from the other gods? He is 
risen. Yep, okay, that makes him different from all the other gods, except the ones that are based, or what, how they say, except the ones that have stories of death and rising. Yeah, 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 but none, none of those were humans who are risen. So checkmate, I got you already. He's risen. I win. Okay, so what, what, number two, you are paid for. You are paid for. By the way, nobody else has this one. Just Christianity. That's two. <laughs> That's two unique things right there. You are paid for. Number three, you cannot die. I don't know anything else teaches that either. I'd have to look at the other monotheistic ones and see their, their theology of the resurrection and how they apply that. But our theology of the re- resurrection is, yea, though you die, yet you live. Right? You actually can't die. Your body might die, but you're not dead because you, you even still have a living body, Jesus' body, the one that you're one with forever. It's not just a figment of your imagination, but it's an actual human existence like, like Adam and the rest of history, only Jesus and the rest of history. Right? So, so you cannot die. Uh, number three, uniquenesses of Christianity. Right? They should all be stunning things at the bar. If you ever say any of these things. Oh yeah, you know, COVID worries me a bit, but I'm not that worried because I really can't die. And then just take a sip. That's none of my business, right? Just take a sip. <laughs> Let us sit there. Don't don't be pushy about it. Somebody will be they'll ask you what on earth you're talking about. <laughs> they'll want to know what you mean. And as long as you're not, well, you know, you know, I, I'm what am I? I'm flying Henry McLoon who who lands upon the spoon, right? And, and don't don't actually go crazy on him at that point, but you say, oh well. What I mean is that even though my body might die from COVID, my body, the same one's going to rise from the dead because I'm paid for in Jesus. And you take a step in either direction on the topic, right? He is risen from the dead, and so I cannot die. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. I've never heard. I was born. I was raised a Christian. No one ever told me that, right? I'm dropping these cards and they're distracting me. Those are for later anyway. Um, so so it's, it's a tool belt, right? It's a tool belt. Uh, Batman has a tool belt. I don't know if he even makes it look cool. They hide it in some of the movies, I think, by making it black. But the idea behind the tool belt is that on it, it has everything he could ever need. And if you watch enough movies or comic books or whatever, he's pulling all sorts of filth out of that tool belt. It's like, it's like Mary Poppinson's bag, right? Only it's Batman's. So, so Mary Poppinson's bag is the same idea. You have something with you and you're prepared and then you do better. So if you want to talk about Jesus, then you need to have something in your head that you're prepared to talk about. And frankly, I'm going to tell you, you have way more than you think you do. Most Christians don't think they have any, and they have a lot, but somehow the key to talking about it has been turned off, and part of that is just never practiced. But I think part of it is that, you know, we, we give you this huge, huge system of ideas, and we're teaching you the stories and all this kind of stuff, but then how do you boil it down to its, its root, and in, in the Lutheran tradition, that's the catechism, which frankly is, is quite simple, or it was. But I'm going to just contest that something in the last 70 years, I don't know, television, made that form of learning challenging. And uh, it's been rough for all of us ever since. Uh, and I'm advocating it doesn't have to be that way. Uh, I'm advocating that we can use these tools. I'm also advocating you sometimes need to turn these tools off, write something on a piece of paper and carry it around with you, look at it again, yeah, <laughs> or write it down. So he is risen, you are paid for. Uh, by the way, my goal with this is to get these so that they are not only printed uh, for you to carry around, but then have have something on the back that perhaps you could put your own church or whatever on as well, um, which would be pretty sweet. So that would hopefully be coming around sometime from us here. Uh, as my opening monologue, I got a couple things to share with you. I'm still on the, I, I touched this earlier. The more I try to imagine my life as a multi, hold on, MMR, <laughs> uh, massive multi-reality instead of massive multiplayer, hmm, massive multi-reality, f- FPS, first person shooter, role playing game, RPG, religion. <laughs> that Christianity is that. If I step back and I imagine that I'm not going to go play Fallout 4, uh, like me being the boy man that I am often would or does do, 
Um, but instead, I'm going to say, wait a minute, what if right now this is the virtual reality thing that they want me to spend a thousand bucks to buy and the game's in front of me? Wait a minute. That, whoa, whoa, this is a good game. This is incredible. Okay, now, now what's the game and how do I lose or win? And mine is Christianity. <laughs> right? I'm just going to start from that proposition. And I'll tell you, life's fun like that. It really, God made a virtual reality machine called the universe and you're inside it. Right, it, it's all set up for you. Uh, it will hurt because it's it's not virtual. It's it's a reality machine, right? It will hurt. You will die, but you're also totally redeemed and bought in Christ. And there really is only one mission to live forever. Saying that, and that comes along with all sorts of things like family and community and economy and and the mountains and the sunshine. I mean, all that's still there too, right? Uh, and then if you die, yet you live. And in fact, dying, confessing the faith is something like you know Captain Shepard running against uh, the Reapers at the very last bit, sacrificing himself to bring the world to peace, right? I mean, it's, it's, that's what death is for the Christian, because it's all tied to the death of Jesus, which is, in fact, what that was, yeah? So so I, I don't think it's just lunacy. Maybe I'm off the deep end. Send me emails. Tell me I am. I'm the mad Christian after all. But I, to, to think of your life as a role-playing game and put yourself, if you're one of those guys that's like in that 25 to 40-year-old range where like the VR, you're like, oh, I wish and I can't wait. and I, well, just, just turn it all off for a second and, and like just pause and look around. I'm like, wait a minute, it is. <laughs> I'm in it. But I don't get to shoot guys and fight robots. Well, that was just a decision you made. <laughs> you know, you can make different ones now. Uh, I don't want to fight guys and shoot robots um, personally, um, but I found that applying some of the same stratagems that I would have applied to, uh, to Fallout, once I look at life this way, it just it makes those things you hate doing. You know, that you did in Fallout or in Skyrim or whatever, you know, you sit there and you chop wood, right? You know, well, yeah, but the real game, you get stronger. <laughs> like, for real, it doesn't just tell you you're stronger. You actually get stronger. You don't feel bad afterwards. Yeah? So um, I'm not anti-video game entirely yet. I think we should use these tools and understand them. But I do think, I do think uh, gaming can be a great way to reinvent suffering. Uh, if you take your Christianity seriously, which is, that's just it. You got to take what you believe seriously. And then you'll know if you're a Christian, the day you die is the day that you die. I was so thankful to carry that on a trip with me. It helped me overcome a childish fear of probably the dark, which I've carried around a long time. Um, and, uh, uh, I don't know. Do you still have yours with you? It's not like I don't get up and go to the bathroom at night or whatever, but you know, when you're going to stay on an Airbnb sailboat in a, in a dock, it's a pretty nice dock, but there's no lock on the door at all. And it's just you and anybody who can like, you know, hop over a little bit of stretch, you know, well, that's like one of those times you're like, Oh, I'm a grown man, but I'm going to sleep now and I'm alone. This is why they had guards back in the day. You know? Uh, uh, so, um, but that's good though too, right? How do you counter that with, with what I had carried with me? In my pocket is a little thing to remind me what I believe, what I know I believe from the scriptures, right? The beauty of smart noting is not that this card has to be anything other than what I carried it to be, and someday it impacts what I write down somewhere else and I throw it away, but it, it, it is my faith living with me. It's me confessing to myself what I know to be true in the moments when my emotions can get away from me. And you try to do that on a phone, good luck. <laughs> good luck. Uh, you're going to be like, whoa, emotions, because they're just like, look here, look there, do this, do that. Oh, ring, 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 ring. Ring, ring. We'll be right back in just a couple of moments. Well, we'll take a solid minute here with your questions. And, uh, well, let's hope that is the Lord God's answers us together seeking wisdom and discernment in the scriptures. And what we know for certain stands, even though the nations fall. We'll be right back on Mad Christianity Saturday Morning Show. All right. So we're going to pick up on uh, the super chat that got dropped in way earlier. Make sure we don't miss that. Thank you, Drecky. He, he threw a couple of wrecks in last week and I said, yeah, you got to tell me what these are to you know, pique my interest in them. And what we got here is what's going to become an Illuminati bit. So, uh, uh, us the chill, if you're watching out there and, uh, 
Frisbee, as you check back in, make sure we turn this into an upcoming Mad Mondays uh, Illuminati application because uh, I think this stuff's pretty good. I do hope I can check in to some of it. The trick again with me is because I'm at the center of this network, I get a lot of recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> and you just can't do them all. Um, even the ones you like. I have so many things I want to read. And then there's also the things that I'm already kind of pushing toward for your sake, right? And so every time I get something like this, the question is not just do I think this is valuable to me? It's do I think it's valuable enough to knock out of what I'm already doing for you, right? Or what's already lined up. And I, you never can know how to make that call. Sometimes it just happens. But the more you can give me your regurgitate stuff, you know, smart note it for me, the better because that's just it's better for the community. You know this phrase, right? A rising tide lifts all ships. Like there's no way that we hurt each other by helping each other. It, it really doesn't work out that way. All right, so... He says, see these comments on his recommendations from uh, a while ago on the mental, philosophical, and moral degradation of humanity. Uh, also proposed minor remedies in these books. Uh, they make stories by reading better – make better stories by reading better stories, which is smart writing the story. So here are the two wrecks. Um, uh, we have Beauty by Sir Scruton. is a philosophical exploration of what beauty is. Through the book, Scruton also tears apart the modern, postmodern idea of art, beauty, good value, and so on. Drecky, I'm going to say again, if you want to write up one page outline of that book, I'll publish it in Mad Mondays, gladly so, as an article. I mean, Mad Mondays is your e-magazine, and I can't publish the world on my own or archive the world on my own. Like your minds are more, more valuable than mine when we put them all together. So um, you do the work and we'll publish it if it's quality. Um, you know, and the buck stops at a certain point with the brand name, right? I mean, it's got to be quality and we have to not, we can't just throw out random stuff. If you send us a bunch of links to stuff all over the internet and say, see the, the, you know, the, <laughs> what Chuchulu is about to tear us all to pieces over there in the UN, right? Well, well we're just probably not going to publish that one, but do the work. This sounds great, especially if I ask for it. Do it. Um, I'd love to hear an outline of this book and publish that and share that with people. And then also he recommends uh, the Fourth Age YouTube channel uh, is a guy who discusses the virtue and heroism in comics. Now, this sounds really interesting. I really wish I had time to just watch stuff these days. I don't. I don't watch anymore. Um, it's been – there's too many good things to do and, and you know that's not meant to sound judgmental. I just – at a certain point, I realized, you know what? I've got the time right now with my family. I'm going to use it, right? Um, but uh, I miss watching and, and this sounds awesome. If you're going to watch, watch this, right? Uh, this is a guy who discusses virtue and heroism in comics. He's rather – upset by how the comic industry has been overtaken by loons right so like comic books you know i'm loving the marvel timeline round one and i'm disturbed because of captain marvel i'm convinced round two will be terrible um that's just my optimism obviously but <laughs> at work but I love that first timeline because of the heroism, and and you see this completely di uh, spectrum, really, of virtue from Cap, who is the good man, start to finish, to Tony, who is the bad man who becomes a good man, um, and and is it redeems and is redeemed, and then you see this Thanos character who's basically Friedrich Nietzsche, and you know the the philosophy behind the the riots in our country right now is the philosophy behind Thanos ultimately, and so they're they're kind of working together in that regard in the philosophical department. They're under the same school at college, right? They went to the same studies courses. Um, with all that said, I love how our, the Marvel timeline sets up good and evil, right? And shows that. It's what makes the early Star Wars stuff so good. You can kind of say it, I guess, about the late, but it gets mushy in the middle. But the early Star Wars stuff, it was light versus darkness. And it, was, it was binary, 
Uh-huh. Um, good versus evil, sheep versus goats, fruit versus, th- fruit versus thorns, sun versus, you know, no sun. I mean, the binary world we live in is hard to ignore, even if you don't like binary things. One, zero, one, zero. You can't really have communication on the mediums that we're talking with without binary language and code. So binary. We live in a binary reality. And the good evil that's shown in that Marvel timeline initially is not shown in the comic book industry today. And how we jumped from Stanley's Marvel up to... You know, this amazing movie series and captured the essence of really what was the early characters, right? Uh, who these characters were in their essences, uh, as opposed to who these characters become in the multiple universe timeline spinoffs where everybody just does whatever they want with the story. And now you have, you know, transvestite Hulk or whatever. And I don't even know if that's real, but I bet you it is. So it's I can't you can't lampoon this stuff. Todd Wilkins has been saying you can't lampoon this stuff for a decade just about the church growth movement. I mean, uh, if you want lampooning, go check out uh, uh, Crowder, right? You you almost can't lampoon it anymore. It's, it's that bad. And what's sad about that is the comic book age, the golden age of it, was an age of storytelling. It was an age of, of mythology that didn't take itself as religion, but instead is just good story where heroes were needed. And where heroes had to overcome weaknesses, one of the things that made Stan Lee's characters so unique, Spider-Man in particular, is that he's a hero who experiences self-doubt. And while that could you know, fit like the, the, the reversal reality of the 60s where we went from this confident nation to this very unconfident nation, at the same time, a hero who never experiences self-doubt is no hero and will not be a hero. That's a tyrant. That's a sociopath. That's a crazy person. You, you, want, you want your leader to have a, a modicum of self-doubt so that he'll ask, right? And so, so that's why we love those heroes, those of us who do, is because they're human. They're just like us, and they overcome it and stay good anyway. And that's what the stories are about. That's the kind of stories that we need, yeah? So, yeah, I would love to uh, have you who are looking for more of this kind of stuff from me, and I can't give it to you, go explore this state be careful i don't know you know who he is but um it it might really uh put some pieces together for you as to what happened to various industries so thank you for the rex there drecky we also have an apology from our glorious frisbee the hand uh it's just about a name misplacement a typo last week Uh, last week a letter from tracy was credited as being from stacy so thank you to both tracy and stacy and bo basie as well for uh, uh for for watching and being friends with us we like you all very much all right so here we are i think i even have this how are we going to do this? Uh, there's a couple of longer ones that I, I want to make you wait. I, I don't want to give credit or credence to very, very long emails on the show as the priority because that makes less people get to be attended to, right? At the same time, we're living in pretty interesting days. Yeah. And, and so some of these emails are really – you're writing very well. It's not like I don't want you to write a long email because it was a bad email. That's not the point. Uh, The point is the medium here is how can I answer pretty brief things with a long-form answer? Um, Otherwise, we end up in super long-form back and forth, and then in that reality – there's just not time to take up enough stuff. That's what podcasts are a little bit better for. And that's why I'm having the podcasts. And I'm going to have those extended conversations with two people who I think will be illuminating for both myself and for you, right? As, as that kind of gets off the ground this next month or so. So um, uh, with that said, I am going to jump in here, I think, on a couple of these big ones here, just because they are, they're very pertinent for the day. And and the first one's about as as much so as it gets. So the question that we're going to deal with right away here. Uh, is, oh, that was all ahead of that before. Hold on. Oh, I know what I did. Hold on, hold on. I'm still learning. No, I'm not. There it is. There it is. Um, is is about vaccines. Vaccines. This is a tough one. So s- buckle in. I'm trying to make this bigger and it won't let me. Come on now. There it is. All right. So 
Emily says this. I recently came across someone on social media who said, you cannot be pro-life and pro-vaccine at the same time. She was referring to vaccines being made from aborted babies, which is said to still be happening in 2020. And with the race to create a SARS-CoV-2 vaccine, it's coming back to the surface among parents who are against vaccinations, urging their counterparts to do their research. I agree with doing your research for sure. Um, Some of this research here is what I would call sloppy, although not without pertinent concern, right? So the way it was said is not how I would say it, um, but it's certainly something we want to talk about, which is why we're going to. Uh, I admit that my conscience is troubled by the thought of something going wrong when I choose to vaccinate. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I work in healthcare and was vaccinated myself. I've been taught about vaccinations under a certain light and have always believed that I was doing my part to help reduce the spread of viruses to those with weakened immune systems. Um, That is one argument. Yes. And I will not go so far as to say that that argument is untrue. Okay. Now there are people who will say that. And I think that uh, I can't tell them not to say it, right? I think it's an accusation and that the research has to be done. Um, Let's keep going. And I'm going to give you some of what I do know by the end of this. All right. And if you want to talk about weakened immune systems, before you do that, stop eating wheat. Straight up. And then I'll talk to you about that. Because if you're going to eat wheat and then complain about immunodeficiencies, sorry, uh, go read Wheat Belly. And it, it can't all just be anecdotes. It, it just can't be. And the, the people who have tried this, uh, and take out sugar next, right? You'll, you'll need to because you'll feel better for a bit and then you'll start feeling bad again. So take out sugar. Um, it, then your body will have the ability to process and deal with your immunodeficiencies, which it can't because your liver's just trying to stay alive with the sugar. And the, the science on this is pretty clear. I don't think I'm a loon. There's a lot of doctors who say it. They just aren't on the mainstream. So, of course, you got to go to the intellectual dark web. Have you heard of this thing? Do you not believe it exists? It does. I'm not really part of it. They've not invited me to be in their club. But I think I would technically be what you call that. It's where people are online saying things that make way too much sense and have way too much backing up and support. And you never heard this before. It's the intellectual dark web. It's out there and there's secular versions of it and all sorts of stuff you can find, especially on diet and nutrition. In any case, so if you're going to be afraid about the the vaccines being tied to immune systems, I just don't think you can be an honest person and be saying that and and then be eating grains with what we know about uh, mass produced grains. Um, it just it just they can't. The grain evidence is there in 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 manifold droves, as opposed to the vaccine evidence is conspiracy esque. And you know, Kuntz and I are going to be talking about conspiracy theories, and I hope vaccines comes up honestly because the history of this is really scary. And sad. And, and again, I want to talk about that, but I also don't want to bind your conscience when it doesn't need to be bound. And that's the thing, too. We're, we're, we're in the white noise. Who killed JFK? Oh, crud. Like, that's who wrote the history books, right? So, uh, where are we? We don't know. We're going to do our best with the word of God. And that means your conscience has to be free as a Christian to take whatever you find from me and somebody else and somebody else and somebody else and make your decision on this. And if some other Christian comes to a different decision because they talked to somebody else and somebody else and somebody else and me too as well, but you all came to different decisions on this issue right now, we just don't have enough to say, well, you're not a Christian now. (laughs) We can't do that. We can't do that. And so we have to be really, really cautious how we talk about it because we're trying to find the way the science is lying to us. I'm not going to say it's unclear. The whole point is they've been lying to us. So what? So what? Oh, let's keep going. 
Let's keep going. Um, I don't believe everything I see on social media. Yeah, without doing my own research. Exactly. And I'll admit, I don't give myself enough time to research. It's not that. You can't because the white noise is too much. To research, you must read a book, not look online. You go look online, you become distracted. You want to research, you got to find a book about it. And you're right. You don't give yourself the time because you can't because the notifications take it away from you. And I'm sorry. That's my new like pseudo gospel. The gospel is Jesus is risen from the dead. But I really have some like first article good news for your life. Like the notifications are the reason you're having trouble. So the more you turn off the blue, shining, talking thing, get to, take the scrying stone of the false gods away from your face for a few minutes and read a book and write it down, it'll change your life. Um, try it with the Bible first. It'll change your life. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, it's good. Um, but just don't be too hard on yourself. It's not that you aren't giving yourself enough time. It's that the false gods of this age have just got you running in circles. They don't, you don't have to. Others have to. They're blind. You're not. You're awake. He's risen, right? You know this. So um, it weighs on you. It's, yeah, because it's on your conscience because you want to be a good person. You don't know why you're spinning in circles, right? Um, I get it. We're all in it. And it's, it's again, a great lie. It's the zeitgeist. It's the time ghost. It's the spirit behind every age, the devil. It's not a conspiracy theory of men, or if it is, it's under his guidance and his tinkering. What it is, is him wanting all of us Christians to forget the word of God. That's what it is. And he's going to do anything he can to make that happen before Jesus comes back. He doesn't care about throwing us to lions, but if he can get us all to stare at a box that never has the word of God on it, but we're addicted to it, blah, give me the box, give me the box, give me the box, right? Um, well, then guess what? We all die and go to hell. Game over, right? That sounds like a good plan. And when, when they start talking about burning books again, by the way, which they're doing out in the Northwest, that great bastion of liberal progressivism, um, when talking about burning books, uh, that's the time to start building libraries. That's the time to realize the Dark Ages could come back. But the Dark Ages weren't that dark where the church was. That's where life was. That's where community was. That's why the churches were at the heart of those communities is because they still believed stuff, even though the barbarians everywhere else were just killing and taking what they could, right? Now, what kind of barbarian future will be here? I don't think we're headed for Mad Max just yet, but I think it's time to maybe make sure you have those resources you knew about that existed in paper before it's all on Google and then they decide they don't want you to see something some of it, right? Because that's already happening to the digital libraries they're making. And you thought, oh, it's all going to be there forever. Nope, they're taking it away. So right now, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, if you're a Christian right now, start your library and plan to take it with you, plan to put it somewhere, build one, plan to read it and use it. Otherwise, you're just part of the noise. Part of the noise. Anyway, on that, that was just the tangent onto social media, right? It weighs on you, especially the possibility of vaccine for SARS-CoV-2 being made available and encouraged. So the vaccine for SARS-CoV-2 is why this is really important. I would not be taking this question just on the vaccine issue because, as I've already said, there's not enough for us to come down with an answer, and that means I'm going to make everybody angry by not agreeing with them, right? I'm going to say, look, you have to make your own decision on this one when it comes to what we knew before. And I think what I'm going to give you with the next information informs that decision and should, but it's not something that I can tell you the right answer to. I don't think. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. And I'm okay to be wrong. You call me wrong. But my point is we have to be able to speak about it to each other so that people who don't know what you know yet can get there without getting beat in the face with it or feeling like they're shunned into it, right? They have to learn it on their own. And so that's what, and in the white noise, it's even more difficult. All right. So, but the reason we're talking about this really is because of the SARS COVID to what, let's call it the Wuhan virus. I'm going to call it the Wuhan virus. The Wuhan virus um, is being used for the sake of electioneering, 
by both parties or one party and so the other party has to and you go ahead and pick your favorites and all this. This is going on. There's no question about that. And part of the noise in that is that we need a vaccine before we can have kids go back to school. Now, anybody who reads scientific papers by any other countries that have dealt with this that are also like English speaking or Western medicine practicing countries uh, knows that this is a very strange thing. Uh, it's very clear from what's been shown overseas that children are incredibly resilient and there should be no stopping of anything they do together. That that, in fact, makes the uh, the <clears throat> the elderly population of that community will be able to, as a whole group, respond better if the kids are allowed to go be kids. And that's been shown. I don't remember which resource we shared at Mad Christian a couple weeks ago in the Mad Mondays, but one of them was very clear about that. And again, these are like direct papers out of the virology institutes of countries like Switzerland, right? Like, why would we not be looking at that every night of the nightly news and comparing and contrasting with what we're doing? Oh, maybe because they don't care about that on the nightly news. They care about keeping you in suspense and watching. So that is why then they're connecting this, uh, you know, SARS-CoV-2. They they need this to keep us watching and afraid. So they need us to not uh, believe that our children will be healthy. Um, that's, and this is where I'm frustrated because it's like, I have to call that out as a lie. Now I sound like the conspiracy nut, right? Um, because I'm watching in, in various areas here. I mean, we're not going to have certain sports. At least they're going to send the kids to school in Illinois. Thank God. Uh, but uh, we're not going to have, uh, sports for the fall of this. You know, this is, this is unnecessary. This is hurting people. And it's based on what is clearly misinformation. Um, so, but what's the right information? That's what we don't know. So just because you have a bunch of misinformation doesn't mean you know the right information. So what, what do we know about a SARS, COVID, Wuhan, uh, um, possible uh, vaccine. What do we know about vaccines at all? And that brings us to this question, or where do vaccines come from? Uh, How do they work? Uh, And normally, how long does it take to get them to human trial? And how fast are we trying to do it with this one? And how necessary is that? Because is this thing really what they said it was going to be? Do you remember how they said it'd be a three-week flattening of the curve? Everyone's going to get it eventually. It's just about the system not getting overwhelmed. And now it's about you never can get it or else you're going to die. And we have to have a vaccine. I mean, I remember this. You call me I'm nuts, but I remember the story changing. I didn't write it down. I wish I had. That's why we got to start writing this stuff down, right? We got to track this. They're lying to us over and over and over again. How much? That's what you don't even know until you start writing it down. I promise you, you're going to start finding it more. You're like, what on earth have I? You think you can remember in your head. It's such a lie that you can remember everything in your head. And so what happens is this machine keeps kind of like going, blah, 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 blah. Oh, look over there. Look over there. You want this? Blah, 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 blah. And over time, you just forget stuff straight up, straight up. And, and uh, you don't notice how the, the, the water's being turned up. Boil, 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 boil. And again, I'm not, I'm not advocating that this is the FBI. I'm advocating this is the devil trying to get Christians just to forget the word of God. On, a, on an international global scale, is it the end times? I don't care. I believe we can have space travel and still be Christians, maybe even with aliens. I don't care. But right now, the devil wants to swallow us in digibytes and white noise. And we got to take this seriously, right? So, well, let's finish your question. I don't know if you can make a statement on this yourself without doing any of the research, but if you can, I would appreciate your time. I'm sure you'll at least have some guidance to help me relieve my conscience. Thank you, Emily. Okay, so make a statement. Yes, sort of. What I can do is share with you some science that we know and some history that we know. Here's what I want to share with you. This, these are things we know to be true, I think, based on mad Christian team research, right? So we will take the bullet together on it. But here's what we believe. Um, 
senior Catholic leaders, 20 other religious, medical, and political organizations that oppose abortion urge funders and policymakers to ensure that companies develop new vaccines, right, that do not rely on human fetal cell lines in the United States, asking the government to incentivize firms to only make vaccines that don't rely on fetal cells, right? So this is the position of Christianity, that we don't want vaccines made from fetal cells. And the Catholic Church is is saying, truly, um, and speaking at the front line of Christianity for us on this, we think it's wrong to kill babies and make stuff out of their bodies, right? So we got to start with that. We believe that's wrong. That's wrong no matter what, no matter how you do it, Okay. That's not all that we're talking about. That is what we're talking about with the SARS-CoV virus. I think so. With the Wuhan virus, I think it may be. Um, that's, it, and it concerns me greatly that we would be basically taking new cell lines, new babies, um, not babies that were simply done once upon a time. But, but, and we'll look at this here. It's really gross. The whole thing's disgusting. Like This can only happen in a fallen world. Um, it's, uh, but uh, let's keep going, though. Uh, the COVID thing may take new babies, and that's really what's scary about it. Um, it also is using experimental tech that messes with DNA. That's also quite scary about it. I have no desire to take it because I think, I think we've been lied to about how dangerous the virus is. I think the virus is dangerous, but I don't think it's as dangerous as they're saying it is. And and at this point, I mean, it's like, which one do I let you do? Insert me with some chemical goo you just made up or take my chances with what God's doing? I'm going to take my chances with what God's doing on this one, right? If you, if I'm having like cancer and you've got, you can show, like, this is still the same game in my mind. But Wuhan, I, I don't know if it's the same game. I don't, I don't trust my doctor now, sadly. That's so sad. Isn't that sad? I hate that. That's awful. Um, now, again, I don't, I don't really have a practical personal care doctor that I go to regularly and that's my own fault. That's also awful. But, um... Because I don't trust my doctor. Hmm. Cells derived, number two, from elective abortions have been used since the 1960s. This is so awful. To manufacture, I mean, this is what it was about, golly. To manufacture vaccines, including current vaccines, against rubella, chickenpox, hepatitis A, and shingles. They've also been used to make approved drugs against diseases, including hemophilia, rheumatoid arthritis, and cystic fibrosis. At least five of the candidate COVID-19 vaccines, that is Wuhan virus vaccines trial, use one of two human fetal cell lines, the HEK293, a kidney cell line widely used in research and industry that comes from a fetus aborted in about 1972, and PERC6. Isn't that nice? It's like... uh, It's like the Borg. Uh, Developed from retinal cells from an 18-week-old fetus aborted in 1985. Um, Under Reagan, huh? Um, and the Trump administration has restricted the use of human fetal tissue from elective abortions and biomedical research, meaning you can't do new things now. You're not supposed to, at least, um, in the U.S. But this does not stop or prevent the use of decades-old fetal cell lines like HEK-293 and PER.C6. So the way this works is really awful. Again, I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine my conscience being plagued by this, by, by doing this. But you have an you know, aborted baby in 1972, and you take the, the fetal cells of whatever they got. I don't even know how it works. I know enough though. I don't know which ones or whatever, but I know enough. They got what they need and they put it in the dish with the little gooey chew that like they can eat, right? And they keep those cells alive. So now you have a dead baby's living tissue, right? He's dead, but he's not that dead yet. He's dead. His body's not dead or the, the blood hasn't run out yet, right? The breath of life has gone out from him and yet it's, it lingers briefly, right? And so you take that and you put it into a dish and turn it into a re- repeating dish line. It's like the, the yeast bake friendship bread of death, right? Which it really, I mean, the friendship bread, it really was of death, but it's like that where it just keeps going on and on, right? And so they've done that with a couple 
a couple of fetuses. And from that, we have all these things that we know about, right? Uh, Hep A, chicken pox, rubella, shingles. I think I had most of those as a kid. I mean, no one was even talking about this back then. Um, and, you know, some of the, the scare is then, okay, so we're going to take, you know, you know, mad cow disease. I'm going to just make an analogy. It's, it's an anecdote. It's not science, but it's an, it's close enough. Um, mad cow disease. For a while, they got the great idea over in Europe that they could save some money by feeding the cows cow. <laughs> so they just got fed the cows the leftover cow. And after a while, those cows went crazy. And then the people who ate the food started having nasty stuff happen to them, too. So the beef went bad. Uh, now, most of that is like, you know, decade, two decades, three decades ago. I don't even know if it's an issue anymore. But OK, so let's just do that with us as humans. I mean, obviously, we think cannibalism is wrong this week. I'm not sure. Next week, it may be time for the cannibals to rise up and declare they have rights, too. But in the meantime, we mostly are disgusted by that. It's still kind of a taboo. And yet on a like a a DNA level? I don't know. It's what viruses are, is they mess with DNA. You know, we are injecting ourselves with ourselves from another line. Uh, how good can that be for the epigenetics of the human species? That would be my question. And if you don't know what I meant, then don't tell me I don't know what I'm talking about till you figure out what I meant by that question. Because that's where all of this worries me most, is in epigenetics. Epigenetics, I can give you one little bit on it, though, to tell you about it. It's above the DNA code. So we have the DNA we all learned in, in high school, where it's like, you know, three... three Three code, three code, three code, three code, and then you do those in bundles and all this, right? And it's just forever and ever. And, oh, we're going to map it someday. It's not that bad. And, and they've done a lot of that. That's true. And what they found is that the DNA in the middle of what it's doing all day long wraps itself in different types of spiral and reads itself this way as if instead of having code going this way, you have like a language that forms sentences that other stuff lines up with and it moves around in real time. And it's like it's alive, <laughs> Or maybe God made it or something, you know? Um, so, so that reality, we've seen not only that it happens, but we've also seen that it can be impacted by our environment, environmental factors, everything from nutrition to, you know, I mean, obviously that's what like nuclear radiation does is it ruins that process, right? The talking of your DNA to your body in real time about what life needs to be as you are a living being emerging out of God, speaking you into existence, which all oh, we all believe is as Christians, right? None of this is, is outside of Christianity. Um, so, uh, how much has simply inoculating us with ourselves, this is before you get to the morality of just using babies and how it's wrong, right? But just the, the, the science of it. Can we feed ourselves ourselves and assume that in a flawed creation that everything's decaying, adding this like weird, we've tinkered with a decay line, while it might help us with the virus in the present, what's it doing to our overall system, right? As a species, our herd immunity or what have you. Um, that's an interesting question. Those are questions that take a, a century or five to answer. And those are the questions that the 1940s and administrations that came out of that don't think need to be asked, right? Uh, that we just go ahead and do what we decided in the 1940s, regardless of what the long-term ramifications have been for the species. And a lot of this, if you track it, I mean, you want to get conspiracy, you can. There's a couple of major companies that seem to be behind a lot of it. And I'm never, I know never, I'm always amazed how few people are aware of how deep the Seventh-day Adventist fingers go um, in what they achieve. They hit way above the belt. <laughs> let's just say that way above the belt. So, so let's get back to the viral uh, stuff here, though, specifically in the vaccine. Uh, thank you to the Trump administration, one of the most pro-life administrations ever. You can hate him for whatever you want. I mean, he definitely is orange, but he is one of the most pro-life active presidents we have ever had. No one has 
ever done this sort of, you know, pre-abortion, I'm sure, but they didn't have to fight the battle the same way. Uh, in terms of decision after decision, policy after policy, action after action, he shows it. Uh, where others, they, like the Republicans are wont to do, uh, claim to be Republican until they get into power, and then they just turn into vanilla, right? Uh, and then they never really push anything. That's conservatives, though. Conservatives. Everywhere. Everywhere. We're a bunch of pansies. A bunch of pansies. Uh, we, we get in there and we're like, oh, I'm afraid. Oh, they might not like me now. Oh. Uh, all of us, right? Me too. I know it. I can say it because I know it. So <laughs> in any case, so let's get back to this now. So with this, so how, Pastor Fisk, can you say, since we know that the chickenpox vaccine was made from one of these lines of these killed children long ago that we still have and has been reproduced into so many cells that it really is this ball of human flesh, um, in time, moving forward, uh, can we not use that now? And that's the debate. That's the debate. Does one evil long ago that has resulted in good that we can see, right? Because now I'm going to go away from my epigenetic talk and say, at the moment, we can see that these vaccines have done good things. Certain ones certainly have, right? Um, uh, depending on, I mean, we could live with the chicken box as a, as a civilization. We could do it. It's awful, but we could do it, right? Um, uh, it's not, is it worth killing one of our own to not have to deal with it? And that's kind of the question, right? But the other question here is, after we already killed one of our own, what do we do, right? And let me, let me put it this way. So let's say that, like, everyone's starving, and the guy in town up the road um, has a bunch of food and won't share it. Everyone thinks that they should kill him and take the food. Um, cause they're starving. They're going to die like tomorrow. Um, and so you say no, but they do it anyway. So now the town doesn't have that guy and they all have that food. What you live, <laughs> you know, have three generations passed. Can your kid eat the food bought at the market, <laughs> you know, from that guy's land, right? I mean, how far back do reparations have to go? That's also the sum of the question here. Um, and I'm not going to come down and tell you, you have to agree with me, which is my point. I will practice this in my life the way I think is right. And with my conscience bare before God, I will tell you what I believe God says to be clear. And, and I will tell you then in this, it's so muddled that on that issue of can I use the old now, I just don't think we have enough to say on all this, no, you can't. Can we say, hmm, I want to think about a lot more than you used to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You better. <laughs> you know, so, so please don't hear me as, as being on the other side. I'm standing here in the middle of saying, let's all listen very carefully here. There are, there are a bunch of decisions like this were made. You know, you want to dig into the vaccine and you haven't dug into the birth control pill yet? I mean, really? <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's deeper and worse. And then, you, you again, you want to talk immunodeficiency and you aren't looking at sugar very closely? It's new in the human diet. You know that? It's pretty new, really. You know, as, the way we eat it, totally new. Um, weird. Uh, gross. Almost like they're controlling us with it because it's a drug, and it is. Uh, but you'd have to look into that, right? So anyway, you could. Uh, Sean Stevenson's Introduction to Sugar. It's like a masterclass on sugar. Model Health Club. I mean, not Model Health Club. <laughs> Model Health Show. I, I don't. Everything he says is not right, but he does some pretty good research, and his masterclass on sugar is very good. S-H-A-W-N Stevenson, uh, the Model Health Show. So, um, all right. I want to say then on this. Here, here I want to say this. Um, I didn't mean to do that. I'll say that too. <laughs> I not made that thing go away. Um, I, at this point, am not comfortable in any way, shape, or form taking a COVID vaccine that is brought out. No matter how it's brought out, no matter what they say about it, I will personally be convicted and not want to take it because I, what the information I have seen leads me to believe that it is, it is diabolical 
uh, in the sense of it's been lied about again and again and again. And I don't really know what it is. I don't know why it is. I don't know if it's just a matter if they want the election. I don't know if there are other things at play with major conglomerates that are trying to do population control. I don't know. There are people screaming that the world's going to burn in 12 years. And now those people are like a step away from vice president, right? In the midst of the city actually burning where they're from, right? So, so I don't know. I don't know. I know what the scriptures say, right? I know that my enemies shall be as chaff before the wind with the angel of Joshua of Jesus driving them away. Right? That's what I know. That's why I carry those cars around to memorize them. When I'm looking at this stuff, I want to like see next right afterwards the truth that I know to be sure. I know that he is risen. I know that you are paid for. I know that we can't die now. I know that this is gross, this vaccine thing. It is gross. It is disgusting. Uh, what do we do now? I don't think we make massive sweeping prohibitions uh, for people to have their consciences bound by um, without really carefully looking at it. But I think all of us have to really carefully look at anything we take from a store and put in our bodies. Um, and just think about it. Why are we doing this? How long have we been doing this as a species? Is this what God gave us to do? And it's not that like, like there's this weird thing, like, like Wonder Bread made it so that people aren't starving, but it made it that we're all dying of immunodeficiency diseases. So I, it, what, what do we do now that we've got people not starving? How do we then transition to a culture that supports positive eating, healthful eating, right? And that's not really my job and my role here at Mad Christianity. Um, although at the same time, part of Mad Christianity is saying, look, our life is our life. You don't get to like turn off who you are when you come to church. You get to be who you are and I get to be who I am. And we love each other because Jesus paid for both of us. And so we're going to work this thing out underneath what this water seals it, this, this food feeds it, you know, the apostles creed, the Luther confessions for, for me, for my part, you know, that all matters, but it doesn't mean you stop living your life and your faith's going to impact that in some way. Now, being healthy, uh, having good nutrition is about having a clear mind for me. That's, that was probably the biggest click for keto for me was when I saw the, the, the clarity in the morning of my head. And don't get me wrong. I still need my half an hour and a cup of coffee. I mean, I really do. But, but then that what follows next is, is such a leapfrog ahead of the sluggishness and that to not get tired after lunch again. You know, at the conference that I was at, and I loved all the guys I was with, but they're on a different diet than I am. It was really interesting to, to see you know, lunchtime come around and the energy levels change and mine stayed just straight on through. Um, so you know, there, there's reasons we should care about this because then that impacts what? How you treat your family, how you treat your workmates, all those things. That treats how you love each other. You're going to love other people when you don't feel bad. So there's nowhere that our faith doesn't touch, but just because it touches a first article reality doesn't make that first article reality part of the faith. Please hear that when I said that right there. And that is where this goes, right? We cannot make our answer to this unknown, frustrating, and disgusting reality right at this moment an article of faith. Right. What instead we can do is say, look, look, keep thinking, keep looking. This is scary. Um, it certainly wasn't good when it was done. How do we disentangle? Um, should we disentangle? Right. Um, that conversation definitely needs to happen with a whole bunch of stuff. Everything from birth control to, I mean, I, honestly, we don't we don't use fluoride toothpaste either. I mean, I, if you don't need to and don't want to drink it either, uh, you really don't. You should research that thing. It's 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 scary actually so there's a lot of stuff like that <laughs> you know and that's i mean at what point though does the white noise have to just get turned off and you just live the world you lived in hi uh there's a nice story i'm gonna try i'm keep trying to like block these off and i can't seem to get them off to change the topic um there's a nice story about uh i don't i heard this in i think guns germs and steel uh which i read some of that and i listened to some of that and then i was like Ugh. um but it, the idea is 
you know, a businessman from America goes to a man who, who lives in a, uh, you know, a, a beach climate, third world fisherman, and starts talking to him about how he could be able to do more of this and that and the other thing, buy some new rigging, do this, that, the other thing, do this, that, the other thing. And the guy kept asking why every time. Why would I do this? Well, so you could do this. Why would you do this? You could do this. And by the time I got to the end, it's why would I do this? Well, so you could sit on the beach with your family and enjoy it. And he's like, I'm doing that right now. Right? I'm doing that right now. Um, well, that guy might get COVID and die. That's this planet. I'm not saying don't wear a mask. Wear a mask. If you, if you believe masks are necessary, still wear a mask. Right? I, I, where we believe it and where it's commanded, we're doing it. So um, I'm not saying don't do that. But there's just a different mentality here. Right from from the busy world of America and its fear of death and what you as a Christian are able to have as you face all these things, even these questions where I'm not sure about. And so let me give you what what Luther says to a friend at this time. And this is an overquoted bit of Luther. It shouldn't have so much power that it's dogma to us. But I think I found it to be good spiritual counsel. The phrase is really quite poor, though. He says, sin boldly. And that can be heard to say, you know, embrace your sin. And that's not what he means at all. What he means is once you've laid it all out and you have your like this or that, and I'm really bothered and I don't know what to do and here's why. And you've got your scripture guiding you. You've talked to your wise counselors and friends. Where's your conscience? Like which one of them let your conscience just not be afraid or hurt? Well, just do that one. Sin boldly. If that's the wrong one, God's in charge. And he really doesn't want you to go against your conscience. You know? And that's why the whole thing is, as you're learning, your conscience has got to grow and change. Some people have very immature consciences, but you don't regenerate faith by going against the conscience. The conscience must be engaged for faith. Right? And that's where these conversations, like, look, this news is coming to light. Some of it's been there for a long time in certain circles, but frankly, those are the same circles that sell you essential oils as, as fixing everything. So at a certain point, you're again saying, there's a lot of white noise here. <laughs> Yeah. And all I want to do, honestly, if you take nothing else from me besides that Jesus has risen, is the rest of my life, I want to get you to take even what I say, write it down, double check it with your own brain, and don't assume it just because I'm on a screen. Because that's such a big fat lie. I'm going to take a three minute break because that was a long question. We're going to come right back and dig into a whole lot more of your short burst fast fire. Well, we'll see. It's me after all. Q&A. Look, you guys rock. This is the best show in the world. It's not because of me. We'll be right back. Rock on. Uh, it's Saturday morning chill. I'm Red Fist, Mad Christian. We got more questions and answers from you, and we're definitely. Hold on. There we go. We got more questions from you, answers from me. I'm nervous. I get nervous, and I freak out. We're just going to go right down the list here, um, starting with. Sorry, Michael, you're going to have to wait to the end. You had a really good question, too. But we're going to go to the small ones that actually have to get a little bit bigger for us to see them. Dear Pastor Fisk, in your book, Without Flesh, in the section on 1 Corinthians 3-7, to Against the Body, you wrote, Far less important than your nutrition, our unity in Jesus, the didache, revolutionizes our view of sexuality. Didn't you mean to say more important than instead of less important than? Yes, I did. That is correct. Otherwise, it would make sense, would not make sense to me because what you wrote, because you wrote at the start of that section about 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are God's temple? Being bizarrely quoted in connection with the Christian dieting rather than its true meaning of Christians being united in Jesus' body, God's temple. Amen. Please tell me no, uh, Tell me, is just a typo or am I reading the whole thing wrongly? Uh, no, you're correct. It is a typo. Uh, I'm resetting this question. It was part of a longer one. I thought we answered it too, but that's okay. Thanks for resetting it. I thought I said, would you be so kind as a send a letter to CPH? Uh, any way you can get an email to CPH and point out this mistake to them, locate where it is in the book. 
That way, in any future printings, it will not be there. It's the only way that really happens. Um, you can certainly help with that. So thank you very much, Lynn. Let's see. Boom. need a sound effect right there. This is going backwards. How do I? I had it all set up in a way I thought I liked it, but now I don't. And now I'm giving myself trouble. It's because I know what it is. That's what it is. It's because I got bad eyes. That's what it is. So let's, we can make this small again. Kevin is hanging out. Kevin says this. Uh, how does a man lead his family to reestablish a familial-centered community that is culturally Lutheran? Read as holding to the unaltered Augsburg Confession, the creeds, and all the helpful acronyms. Anachronisms, excuse me. And furthermore, how is it done when this means I must rebel against my parents' culture who are Lutheran but are uh, so by happenstance? Yeah, right. Well, to be fair, um, when the inherited culture is a culture of rebellion and you, you then have no choice but to rebel against it, you might as well rebel into what's right. <laughs> you know, I don't know how to say it. The 60s are not exactly ones to hold it over our heads about how we should listen to them. I, just because they're older and stuff. Like, that. that that's not their essence, right? The 60s essence is that we know everything no matter what. And that's a really good model not to follow. Uh, and I don't say that to hurt anybody individually or accuse any individual parents. It's a generational phenomenon. And that boomers as a generation, you do better if you just admitted it and stop being jerks. Because frankly, you are. <laughs> as, as a whole, um, you think very highly of yourselves and the history of the country shows it. You're still trying to ruin it. <laughs> um, not not alone. Not alone. Your grandkids are helping you. Um <laughs> Anyway, there's there's all types, right? There's all types. Generationally, though, um, you know, you do the, the boomer generation. The 1960s was an age of rebellion, and so we need to rebel from it back into what is right. I'm going to stand on that as serious, right there. Um, uh, Lutheranism is not merely he goes on a more comfortable confession, like a preferred pair of pants, but it is true Christianity. Yes, this means that in many cases, I would tell my children, honor your father and your mother, but do not honor what my mother and father would have you believe. The same thing goes with my wife. Yes, this is true because you must obey God rather than men, and so the commandment to obey the fourth commandment uh, does not undo the first commandment and must only be under it. And as soon as it is undoing that, right, as soon as you would break a commandment above it in order to keep the one below it, you're supposed to kind of stop at that point, right? Um, you're not supposed to break any of the commandments in ascending order. The great one is the first. The, the second that is like it is really, well, all that comes after that, but the, his name, right? The, that is such a more powerful thing than, say, um, whether or not you punch your brother, right, which breaks the fifth commandment, yeah? So just to understand the hierarchy there, um, and and so that when somebody comes at you with the fourth commandment, you're not allowed to use that to make the first commandment go away. It, it doesn't work that way. You have now abdicated your authority on that action. It doesn't mean they lose all their authority, but on that action, you know, that you must believe falsely about Jesus, right? They lose it. Um, so you're asking then, how do we do this in the family, though? Uh, how do you create a family-centered community culturally Lutheran? Well, that was one of the – several of the conversations, honestly, that I had this last week at this conference I was at, Bugenhagen Conference. It's for pastors, by pastors, and then, frankly, it was really good, and I suggest you go if you get a chance. Mostly free. Um, you've got to pay for your place to stay. Um, in any case, a lot of the conversations were just about that, creating Lutheran culture and even what that means – can there be a Lutheran culture? Can there be a Christian culture? Uh, you know, do culture, what is culture? It's such a fluid term. We don't even, we throw it around like racism and, and like it doesn't have a meaning though. So we can try to define culture as a group of people doing stuff the same, right? But then you have microcultures and macrocultures, right? So, so your question is here, I think, first and foremost, how do I in my family have, let's use the word economy, I think economy is a better word. I'm even write that down because I talk about culture a lot, and I've been working on in my own house trying to teach my family that we are not 
uh, just a home and we're not a team or an economy. And it, it gets there's a lot behind that, so we won't get into that right now. It's not just about making money. The word okonomia is the word house in, in Greek, right? So so before the house makes money, it's it's a house economy, a house economy. Home ec used to be a class we had to take because you have to run your house. So economy is a better word than culture for if you're going to talk about how you want to build your family uh, and just kind of get yourself, again, out of the white noises language. Remember, if you play on their turf, they have an advantage over you. So if you use the words they give you, and especially if they're not Bible words at all, like you really can't find the word culture in Bible. Um, it's a nuance that's there in the first article for sure, but it doesn't need to be a major substantial thought that you have. If we're going to talk about culture in the Bible, you have to go to things like nations and ethnicities, which would be very interesting to do. People groups, families, family groups, well, home economies that over time their name is known, right? It's it's all there in the scriptures. We just are called racists if we talk about it. That was one of the other things we talked about at this conference. And it's, I'm not sure how I'm going to wrestle with this one yet. We have to begin understanding that family heritage is real and good and that families have patterns and some patterns are bad and some are, are, are good. And big groups have patterns that are bad and good. And frankly, the big group of white Japhethites had a really bad pattern for a while. And then like 150 years ago, they like stopped it. And, and then like we've been falling out from it ever since and it's been getting better. But it's kind of a cool thing to be like, look, the Japhethites stopped slavery in their culture because it's still going on in the two other sons of Noah's cultures. Just saying, oh, it's also in, it's in, it's in China too, and the Japhethites. Anyway, to think about that we're all just one big happy, unhappy family. And that doesn't mean all our patterns are good, but that some families' names come with certain baggages, right? And, and so if, you know, if you're going to marry a Philistine, you're going to marry a Philistine. Well, what does that mean now? What does that mean now? Well, that's what we've got to figure out, right? Christians and Christianity is a new family to begin with. I, I've always bucked at that language in church because it's kind of cheesy sounding. Like, oh, we're all a family. It's like, it's like the least masculine thing we do in church is all pretend to be a family. As if the family isn't named for the man, the father in, who's, who's in, uh, named for the father in heaven, right? So um, the idea of family has to be recaptured, again, not as a, a feminine thing, um, but as a masculine reality. And for my part, again, I'm just using the word economy. Uh, it means home. Uh, it means work. It means together. You can't have an economy by yourself, really. Uh, and you can, kind of, but not really. The point is you're working with somebody else. So how do you form a Lutheran economy, <laughs> a Christian economy? Well, it starts with building everything on the Ten Commandments, creating the Lord's Prayer. You should be saying it every day yourself and then eventually getting your family to say it every day too, right? But just start it yourself. Uh, get, get that going. And the rest will come. I, I'll tell you, <laughs> I'll give you one more assignment. Yeah, Open your Bible. Let's just start with Proverbs. You're talking about family, so let's go to Proverbs. Build a family, build a son, build a, build a heritage and a name and a dynasty of ideas, right? So to do that, you're going to open the book of Proverbs and every day you're just going to do like five Proverbs, okay? Even when there's longer ones, just try to do just, just a couple of thoughts at a time, but you are going to write it down on another piece of paper, and then you're going to come back later that evening, and you're going to write it down one more time, and you will build a Christian economy in your home, okay? Just, you'll, you'll spill out on the rest of the Bible, I promise, but just start there. Listen, my son. Listen. That's, that's how the father builds his house. Listen, my son. So um, there's there's my answer. I hope that helps, Kevin. Um, even 500 miles away, miles away to get away from your folks. I, I I'm sorry. Um, it, there, it is frustrating, though. Uh, blood is not always thicker than water when it comes to false religion. <laughs> uh, and, and when it comes to laissez-faire religion, 
and comfortable religion and lukewarm religion. And I can't speak for your family or any other family. I know I've been too lukewarm in my own life. And so I'm always for like, let's have some mercy on them. But sometimes that mercy is, I'm just not going to tell them that I disagree right now because they're still Christians and I can still preach Jesus to them. And they believe it when I do. And I want that opportunity more than I want uh, to have them be convinced about, you know, what battles I've got to fight myself right now. So um, moving forward. Yeah, I did get this all backwards. Hmm. Let's do it this way. Pew, 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 pew. Right there. And I'm going to have to move it because it's still too small. Uh, I just made, Cindy says, a connection between your refrain about white noise and your constant admonition to write things down. Take notes. Yay. Um, I suddenly got a picture in my head from every movie with spies or the CIA where they walk, where they take audio footage from a noisy place like a subway or credit street and zero in a particular sound or voice, cutting out the extraneous noise, masking it. Yes. Um, Taking notes is extracting the meaning from the white noise. Yes. Yay for you, Cindy. You win. You win forever. Yay. Additionally, in those movies, it always takes work and more than one try. Yeah. Unless it's a badly done movie, then they have to make constant adjustments, rewind several times before they determine what was being heard, just like we revisit our ideas to get more and more clarity. Yes. Yes. You got it. Um, That's so beautiful. And doing that will not only allow you to distill what the TV is saying to you day in, day out, and that includes your personal network. Not everyone gets the same TV, but we all get our own little algorithm you've not developed that nearly as much as you think you have. <laughs> you know, it's been developed to get you to buy stuff. So um, uh, you might as well know what it's doing, right? And then you might as well start intentionally feeding in some better words. You know, once you start seeing that all you're getting is a bunch of do this, do this, and scare, freedom, or not freedom, be scared, be worried, do more. You need to build in some words that are like, the day you die is the day you die. Like having that in my list of things to do, like go buy shoes. The day you die is the day you die. I can't tell you how, how relieving that is in life. Like wherever you are, say, oh yeah, God's in charge. I mean, what a thing. So however you build those, those reminders in and writing it down is the way you do it. I just like it so much. I want to write down everywhere I go, but I'm a writer, right? But I'm kind of convinced now that to say I'm a writer or not a writer is just a lie of the devil. All humans have been created to be the image of God, which means to be confessors, speakers of his truth. That means we've been created to put his words all over the place, which means both reading and writing them. Um, it's a gift. It, it would call, I'd almost call it a right uh, to, to be taught to read and to write, but it's a right of Christianity, not a right of creation. Yeah. And it comes from the words being reopened to us after the Babel shut it all down. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a little bit of a, a, a fantasy element to what I was just saying there. But uh, you got the idea here, though. I mean, in terms of a tool, say what you will about my conclusions. They can all be wrong. Smart notes are not. They are the way to think. <laughs> There's no question in my mind forever on that one. So thanks for that. Thanks for that. All right. So Lisa uh, also has this one for us this morning. She says, my family became Lutherans about a year and a half ago. Well, woot to that. Yeah. Yay for you. I sh- what I should really do is I should be all pompous. Like the East and the uh, and the Romans would do. So I'm gonna, uh, my family became Lutherans about a year and a half ago. Ah, oh, well, welcome home. It's so they're so full of themselves. It's amazing. So good on you. Uh, you know, you you. It's hard to leave a church. It really is, and it's certainly hard to do it because you believe something. Because most people are at church not because they believe something, and it's really frustrating to them that you're trying. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, especially if you're in one of these big box churches, they're all just going through the motions. And so, you know, to, to have the courage to ask questions about your Bible and follow the solutions that it gives you to people who confess that, who say aloud what the Bible says again, that's not easy. So congratulations and good on you. And at the moment, we call that thing Lutheran sometimes, right? Lutheran's a pretty broad term, um, but but good on you. Uh, my husband was raised Baptist. I was raised Catholic. When we visited the Elsimus Church on a random Sunday, we felt like we were home. Well, that's good then. You actually did feel home. Interesting as a Baptist, he felt at home. So that means he was like an old school Baptist with a hymnal. Yeah, not as many of those around anymore. Uh, I've been struggling lately with one thing. Growing up, I was always taught that most of the Old Testament was just, quote, stories inspired by God to teach us lessons. Yeah, moral story, heavenly meaning, parables, basically, and not necessarily fact or history. Yeah. Oh, well, of course. Of course, the big fish uh, is... um. Well, it's, it's, it's likely it's untrue. It's untrue, of course. But, but we all would know that. But it still has a meaning. And the meaning is that you should not run away from what God says. And God says to be a nice person and put money in the plate. <laughs> right? Just like that. Uh, da, da, da. I know not all Catholics believe this. Yeah, that's really not what Rome teaches. Uh, Rome teaches us all history. So you had a very liberal Catholic. Catholicism pretends to be a thing. And it's not. It's a giant umbrella. And underneath it is a whole bunch of things that maybe should not deserve such a kind word to describe what they claim Christianity is. Dross? Can we say dross on the show? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of dross there under that umbrella. But but there is also some truth still. We, we would call it the church, Orthodox. We've got another question about, you know, where do you draw that line uh, coming up here? But um, I, Catholics do believe the Bible is historically true, officially speaking, right? Even if there are a bunch of people even more dross than the official dross underneath the dross umbrella, uh, claiming less. So you were taught wrong. You were taught what usually Baptists teach, interestingly. Um, the Baptists would teach that it's historically true, but the real meaning is just a moral lesson, right? So you have this history that happened, and so David fought Goliath, and he was strong and courageous, so you got to be strong and courageous too, and do that kind of thing, right? Um, and so... Um, that's a different question. I'm going to come to that, but first on the accuracy. I truly believe that the Bible is accurate, but doubts pop into my mind from time to time. The guilt, because it is overwhelming. Any advice for me? Yeah. So on the accuracy of the Bible, I think that there's no question that the historical accuracy of the Bible is very, very substantially clear compared to any other ancient history that we have. And anybody who spends the time delving into that, which is difficult, um, hold tight real fast. This is boring TV. It'll only take 10 seconds. All right. So if you would like to know about the history around the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what we actually know about the days from all the historical documents that we have everywhere, just around was he a real guy and what did he do? And the answer is yes. He's a real guy and we know an awful lot. Okay. So, I mean, anybody who's going to like dismiss this without having read this, like they don't deserve your time. They are ignorant. They are barbarians. Okay. Now I'm not, okay. I started this like four years ago. <laughs> I want to come back to it now that I know smart notes, because you can read faster once you have smart notes. It's really cool. Um, but I want to come back to it. But the point of that is, again, the history that we have, uh, the knowledge of the history that we have in the Bible as history is so overwhelmingly positive compared to the claims of especially other religions, but even then other civilizations like China itself. The, the claims China makes about itself are, are largely stolen claims. And the, the U.S. isn't so different, is it? Now, no, no, no. The nations of men are always going to do this. But the Bible doesn't do that. The Bible tells us what happened. So 
if you're going to find places where there's actually what we might call mistakes in your Bible, here's where you're going to find them. You're going to find that in the copies of the original editions that we have, that have built up over the first 200 to 300 years of Christianity, there are divergences in the text from each other. That is, there are tracks of different copies where it says one thing here and one thing there. And I can tell you that while that might seem scary and you think, well, which is the real one, that when you have all of them, it's not that hard to figure it out for the most part. And within like 99% accuracy, we know on almost every single issue what the original stuff was and that what other 1% that's there never undoes anything we actually believe because the Bible's so succinct. It says it over and over again. <laughs> and you don't need it just every single, I mean, you don't need this one if it's not actually there because it says it over here already, right? So, so the truth of the scriptures as documents from the time they come from is irrevocable unless you just want to be a screaming barbarian and shout Nazi in people's faces. And people do that. And again, you have permission to ignore those people when it comes to life decisions. They, they don't count as um, uh, uh, influential wise people. They're what you, the Bible will call them fools, okay? And, and, and we're not supposed to do that, right? It's really mean to call someone a fool. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, when you're dressed up in a dress and throwing fireworks at a federal building, you're a f- and you're a guy, you're kind of a fool. I mean, it's a foolish thing to do. It's not a real good life decision. It's probably not going to end up with, uh, you know, a good name. People aren't going to remember you well. Maybe you don't care about that. Maybe you don't want to be remembered well. Maybe you want to be remembered poorly. That seems strange to me, though. Anyway, the Bible, then, again, contrary to you know, whatever news you're getting off Twitter, uh, you can rely on its accuracy. But then the other piece of this question that really is just as important, if not more so. I mean, hold on. Why do you have to rely on its accuracy? Well, did Jesus rise from the dead or not? <laughs> no. Was that accurate? Because if you're going to say the Bible's not accurate here, why are you believing the guy rose from the dead? That's a crazy thing. That's the craziest thing of all. The guy rose from the dead. That's nuts. You're stupid to believe that. Don't believe that. It's crazy talk. Oh, wait, you believe it. You're a Christian. That's because it's true. (laughs) Right? So then with that being true, now you're worried about the big fish and like six day creation. Like that bothers you for some, what do you, you believe the resurrection. All bets are off now, aren't they? Why don't you just take what it says, hold it tight and run with it for all that it's worth rather than think the, you know, the Googleplex inner circle has something to offer you. They don't. There's death under her bed. The Proverbs will tell you of the whore Babylon. There is death under her bed. So my advice for you is believe the Bible and then know this. They are not there to teach you moral stories. It is not about moral lessons. It is not about how David did this, so I should do this. It is, although that wasn't bad. That wasn't right. Yeah, right there. It's about how David did this incompletely and Christ did it fully. Saul did this incompletely. Christ did it fully. Isaiah did this incompletely. Christ did it fully. Elijah did this incompletely. Christ did it fully. Moses did it incompletely. Christ did it fully. Adam did it incompletely. Christ did it fully. That's the Old Testament. All those stories are the incomplete attempts to be Christ and Christ in the lineage of Christ. He has risen. You are paid for. You can't die now. I think we got the best religion and we just got to talk about it more. <laughs> it's really very invigorating if we would just talk about it more. Is that the one we just did? It is. Thanks for the question, Liza. Uh, Super chats from last week. I think we missed these, uh, and they may or may not have been connected to the fundraising. Thank you for the fundraising. I did not even order it yet, um, and I feel super guilty about it. I even didn't want to do the show this morning because I felt so bad that I had not ordered the camera or researched the arm, and so I couldn't face you, my friends, because... Thank you for helping me get that camera. It will show up someday. It is in the plans. Uh, Miss Super Chats, though, to, to recognize Ryan and, and BR Hodius 625 
uh, seem to be kind of in the similar direction with the comments too, a little bit. Uh, a fear of mine is that the weaponization of other people's sensitivities, offense at various opinions, fear of diving from COVID, et cetera, is actually effective against the church. Yeah, well, it ha sure has been. And we need to learn how to deal. That's right. So, so the church has to be the place where people learn how to deal with life. We don't care. Like we care, but we don't care. We're not going to be afraid at church. We're not going to panic at church. If you need to panic, you are free to watch online, right? And, and instead at church, we're going to deal with it and we're going to be okay with it. And frankly, if it's, if it's Ebola and we're all going to die and we know it's coming and it can't stop that either, we're just going to pray and wait for Jesus to take us home and get over this idea that we're going to live on this planet forever in peace and love and happiness with all the hippies. I mean, I am a hippie. No, I'm not. But I, you know, I like being casual and wearing flip-flops, but I do not for a second believe life's a beach on this planet, unless you're rich. And most people aren't. Yeah. And most people won't be. And if you are, they're coming for you. <laughs> so, so, you know, ah, good stuff. I appreciate it. We do have to learn how to deal. I like Kanye West still very much. Uh, I'm enjoying on repeat forever. I think I want to catechize my son with two verses out of, out of the song, the show. I think it's Kanye. Actually, I, I I might be wrong about this. It might not be Kanye, but I love this song. It's all about the show and how the show is going to go on and how no matter what anybody does, hard times, good times, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, learn the lessons my father taught me. I'm not going to get deceived by evil men, and I'm going to go and succeed to help people who can't help themselves. That's some pretty decent rap right there, right? And, and running that through my own head right now and then thinking, how can I give that to my son? When times is hard, you stand up, son, right? You don't whine, whine and lie down. We've been making... We are a feminized and a fet set of men in this country, um, and it's it's a wake up call. Like I, I'll say that right now. We need to learn how to deal. Um, people also says B H Rose, B R Rose. People become what they believe they are. True enough. It's like self fulfilling prophecy, right? And that's where the smart learning is so cool, though. You can begin becoming what you believe you want to be by writing it down. I'm not kidding. Try it. It's really cool. Uh, people become what they are, uh, what they believe they are. And so when the TV is telling you what to believe you are, you'll become it. When you're writing down what you believe you are according to scripture, you believe it. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, this is the power and the staggering danger of labels. Yes. Sexual revolution, Marxism. Well, it's the power of words. So, so certainly the evil genius can use words evilly to do evil things, usually through confusion and obfuscation is a great word. Look it up. And obfuscation. That would be how the evil man does it. The true man does it by, by truth, by speaking truth with gentle humility at all times, right? It's, it's never about me knowing the truth. It's about what is true and that for us, that is best for that is what God gives, right? And, and in that sense, labels are words. They are meaning. So don't, don't go against labels. Maybe you weren't trying to here, but that's what the Marxists want to do. They want to take away the labels. So they're going to use them if they seem weak, to make them badgeringly strong, discard the people who get hurt in the meantime under that group and that label, regardless of what happens to them in their communities, which right now, I mean, there's some really trashed ones in this country. It's not necessarily the people who live there, right? Um, Marxism wants to do that, discard, and so have that label become meaningless till eventually everything's flat, right? And then the belief is that the utopian future will arise, that we will all kind of shed our sin and become one in love as we just plant crops on cardboard in the middle of the street in a big fire party, because that's how life works, because I grew up rich and went to law school and think life's unjust. It's amazing how many Antifa people have that, that pedigree, by the way. It's, it's kind of crazy. Watch. Any, any to go shows you these, like, everyone who gets arrested, he posts the stuff, and I don't care about their pictures. It's kind of sad. They look like very sad people, but, like, their job. <laughs> and these are all like, like really? Your poor little life, huh? They're all white, too. It's, it's just awful. Um, uh, any, anyhow. Um, 
Becoming what you believe you are, though, you become what you hear. You become what you see. Monkey see, monkey do. It's true. Uh, Bob Dylan said it this way on one of his Christian albums. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. You're going to serve somebody. So you serve by listening, right? What does a master do? And I'm not talking slavery. I'm talking king. I'm talking one who controls. I'm talking one who is good. He-man. What does a master do? What does the father do? He speaks to his son. Listen, my son. That's the Proverbs thing, right? So then the speaking of the father to the son is the identity of humanity given from the identity of the Trinity built into us. So that now the father speaks to the son and the son learns and then speaks to his son. In this way, we become what we hear. And in the world we were made in, that's all we would have needed. But the world we were made in, we broke. So in response to that, God gave us more words, which eventually he started putting down so that we could not break them anymore. That is, we could not be free from them. And for all that's happened, it's pretty difficult to get away from the King James Version of the Bible still these days. Why? Uh, Because for all the white noise, uh, the scriptures are going to do what they're going to do. The Ark of the Covenant can come back from the Philistines without our help if it needs to. And I'm not saying King James only. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that the, the white noise of translations, even that cannot stop the actual spirit breath of God from going out with the Pentecost gospel that he has risen and you're paid for. Hmm? So, um, still tying that to this thought, though, that all of that is through inputs that come to you. And again, in Without Flesh, the book that I don't have a picture up around me, and Without Flesh, we talk about this um, quite a bit, that it's, you know, the, these words from Jesus are, in fact, chemical reactions going on in his head as a human male, who's also God, that he sends through the physical reality. So they're actually God's words with, like, Whatever super juju he puts into the power of the words themselves as waves, which is pretty cool because when it hits your head, it makes chemistry happen in your head too, right? That reality, the word of God with the spirit is enacting, not just as a physical thing built into creation, but as a redeeming thing. (sighs) My peace is with you, right? And so his words are going out. So we believe what we hear from him in distinction with what the rest of the world hears. But now the, the threat that we're under. I've said this enough this morning. I don't need to repeat it, I suppose. But, but the threat the runners, the white noise is so loud, you aren't able to really hear him anymore. And I'm saying that along with that, we might have something that's going to make our Christianity the most awesomest thing for the next 500 years, which is we're going to remember how to write. And no one else is going to even teach their kids how. They're just going to learn how to type. Just wait for it. We uh, Forget even if they can write a few sentences down initially. That's the point. You lose it already. Haven't you already? You lost it. Get it back. Get it back. You want to know where the Reformation came from? You want to know where the Constitution of the United States and, and that, that revolution of thought came from? It came from men reading and writing. That's what it came from. So right now, you want to build? You want to build your family at home? You want to build a culture around you that endures 100 years with Christianity? I only got one answer for you. One answer, you know, Scripture, and then smart note it. You got to start writing it down. And don't say I'm not a theologian. Don't say that's only for the smart guys. That's not how it works. You become smart by reading and writing it down. That's, that's how it works. And if you don't read and write it down, you never become smart. That's why TV is a stupid box. It, it doesn't make you smart. It makes you stupid because you never write it down. So you forget or you just feel and forget and feel and forget and feel and forget. That's not just me saying like nanny nanny. This is media ecology, by the way. You can go read the books on it yourself and make your own conclusions if you disagree. Let's see. Where are we? We've done... Moralizing the Old Testament. I'm jumping around too much. I got confused there. We just did the Super Chats. Uh, here we go. Andrew. Andrew says this. I have slowly been watching more and more of your videos. Well, thank you. Uh, and I'm so grateful for all the work you do to proclaim the gospel. Thank you. I am too for that latter part. I, I get to participate. <laughs> uh, I, I have a question about the title Christian. Cool. When do we stop using it to define certain groups of people? That is, when are people not Christians anymore? What defines a Christian 
How specific do we get with the definition? How do they have to, or do they have to agree with the creeds in the entire book of Concord? As long as they believe Jesus died for their sake, are they a Christian? Take the ELCA. They call themselves Christians. Not only that, but Lutherans. And you engage with that. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Mormons call themselves Christians. And I would say Mormons are not Christians. And the main reason is because, yes, they deny the creed, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, and the Athanasian Creed as a sum total of what the Bible says about the Trinity. They're in rejection of that over and against some of the most intense discussions of the church. I mean, it lasted three centuries to figure this thing out um, in, in terms of like like agreeing as a group. Yes, the Bible says this, right? Um they don't believe that anymore. So by being outside of that, I normally wouldn't grant them the name Christian. I would still call them, you know, Mormons. Um, and that's a whole other topic, right? But uh, the ELCA, I mean, do I consider the ELCA a Christian church body? No, not at all. Not even. They promote abortion straight up, right? You can't do that and be a Christian church body. But are there Christians in the ELCA? Yes. Are there Christian pastors inside the ELCA? Probably. Although I think it's getting harder from those I've talked to who have left, right? So they say less and less, you know. Um, but how do you know? You know by looking at the fruit. What's the fruit? It's what they say. I'll be preaching on this this weekend. So if you want more of this, tune into the sermon tomorrow. It'll be going on around. Oh, oh, I'm not doing it live though. I don't know how that's going to work. I'll try to capture it for you. Um it'll it'll get up sometime tomorrow, but Matthew 7, uh, you know, you will know them by their fruit. And frankly, this whole weekend is about uh, uh false prophets and false teachers. So and the Jeremiah text is coming up. It is all about how to tell a false prophet they run without being sent. They say things God didn't say. They prophesy their own dreams and imaginations of their own hearts. It's pretty straight up. So when you see a church body doing that, you don't have to call that church body Christian, especially if they've rejected central tenets of Christianity, like don't kill babies, right? That doesn't mean that everyone in it's not a Christian. So you need to distinguish between a church body and the church of God that has all Christians in it. And just know that if a Christian is in a false church, it doesn't make them not a Christian immediately, but it will poison them. It will hurt them. Can they survive and go to heaven through that? Yes. Do you want to try? Bad idea. Don't tempt God is what I would say to that one. Flee the darkness, right? But some don't know. And thank God the Spirit doesn't abandon them like we would. And so I'm not going to just condemn them straight out. So how do I tell? It would be in the actual conversation with the individual. I'll tell you this. When I meet someone, they say, go to an e they, say they go to an ELCA church. I do not assume they are a Christian. I do not assume they believe Jesus is physically risen from the dead. I don't. I don't assume it. I'll work in conversation to get to that point as soon as I can to figure out if we have that much to agree upon. Yeah. And interestingly, even when they agree, you find they haven't thought about it for a while or talked about it very often at all. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I still believe that. It's not like it's on the front of their mind. <laughs> right. So and this isn't just the ELCA. This is all manner of Christianity in America. And frankly, you can walk into LCMS churches and find the same thing. So don't don't hear me tooting my own horn. This isn't about a brand. Well, mad Christianity, I suppose. But this isn't about mainline branding of church bodies. This is about whether we believe the Bible's true and whether we can recognize that there's an all-out assault on anybody who does, regardless of what church body you're in. And if you're in heterodoxy, you're still having to fight back with what you have. And we're having to fight back too. So, so uh, where do we stop using the name, the word Christian? I will only not call someone a Christian if I really want to upset them or if I'm convinced that I can talk about their whole group as being dogmatically against something. That is, I don't have to ask a Mormon what the Mormons think about the Trinity. It is officially what they say. And if they disagree individually, that's fine. Good for them. Maybe they are a Christian, but the body's not a Christian body, right? And so distinguishing those two things, this is why the LCMS is still, for all of its warts, and there's quite a few, um, stinks over there too, actually, by the way. But, but, but for all of that, 
we are still a Christian church body because we say we believe the Bible is true. We say we believe Jesus is risen. We say we believe he has atoned for the sins of the world. We say we believe he's coming back. And all this other stuff about the creed and the book of Congress, that's how we say that. And the ancient ways we say it are like bowling gutter lines on your bowling alley, right? They're great. We want that. You're better off with that than without that. But if all you can do is talk to people about how great a bowler you are because you have a gutter lane, that's not going to help you either. You got to get on the foundation, which is the scriptures. So even the confessions should be driving you back to the scriptures. Even the creed should be driving you back to the scriptures. I can confess the creed or I can say he is risen just as he said, which is what the angel says to, to those who find the tomb, right? And it's the same thing. What I think is we want to unleash in ourselves an understanding of the word of God that makes us unafraid to speak it to ourselves first and foremost, and that from there, we will be able to engage people. And when we find they're not a Christian, honestly, the only way I'm going to say to their face, you're not a Christian now, is if they're trying to say they're a Christian and affirm something really wrong. I would say, well, I think I disagree with what the meaning of Christianity is there. And we're probably just better off stopping the conversation at this point because, you know, it's been really great to try to understand each other, but we disagree, um, you know, and, and on this point, which I'm going to limit that to, you kind of ask this, the Trinity, what the creed actually says, what the Ten Commandments actually say, and what the Lord's Prayer actually says. What baptism actually says in the Bible, well, I don't know if I go there, right? So how, this is where it gets squishy. Are you a Christian if you're a sacramentarian? Yes, <laughs> right? So again, where do we, that's heterodoxy. That's where we're like, oh, but you're like trying to fall away, <laughs> right? Uh, like you don't want all of the gospel because of your modernism. Okay, um, but, but you're still a Christian. So again, back to how do you judge the Christian? Ten Commandments, Creed, Lord's Prayer. But if you come in, you're like, yep, adultery is cool. Uh, <sighs> Is Jesus risen from the dead? I can say Jesus is risen from the dead and he gave me the power to commit adultery. Yeah, you're a liar. <laughs> you know, you that's why the catechism is something that Lutheran pastors harp on so much. It's not about like, oh, we have this book and it's pretty and we like to talk about it. It's that, it's that if you have those like 20 lines of words as like your eyeball shield of decision making, you have Christianity. If Lutheranism is going to do something for American Christianity right now, it's not going to be convert everybody to Lutheranism. It's going to be to get them all to confess the Ten Commandments, the Creed, and the Lord's Prayer as a starting point for being Christians again together in a public world that hates us. We have that in our confessions. Thanks be to God, yeah? But, 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 but. What we've got to be careful about here is there's a lot of Christians out there that are slowly dying. There's a lot of hypocrites out there that don't care. We just don't want to, how's it, how's it say? Um, you don't pull up the weeds with the seed, lest you dislodge the seed, right? And and that might be misapplied here, um, but I think, well, caution is usually a good idea uh, when you're dealing with consciences. So it's more, it's less about, in some ways, is the person, what has the person said that's wrong or right? And more, does the person inst uh, receive Christian instruction from me? This isn't about whether you like my opinion. This is about when I tell you what the Bible says, whether or not you receive it. And I, I should be treated with the same metric, right? You should treat me the same way. But it, so when you receive what the Bible says, even if you are like kind of a Trinitarian heretic, but you're kind of listening to me and you're like, oh, I can see that. Well, I'm not going to like worry about you. I'm going to keep teaching you, right? Whereas if you're going to be resistant to what the Bible says and keep making up reasons for why it's not what it says, well, now I'm going to say, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure I can trust anything you say. At what point do I tell a person you're not a Christian? Uh, that takes a pretty pretty close relationship, right? Um, so I, I don't know the genesis of your question, but hopefully you got enough out of that to give you uh, a little more of uh, help in your, in your daily life. Um, I am going to have to go sooner than later here this morning. 
There is a rally to support the police in Rockford, excuse me, that I would like to go to with my family. And it's starting right this moment. It goes for two hours. I'm just hoping it's not over by the time we get there. Um, So I'm going to have to leave the show right on the dot this morning. So I have quite a few questions here for you. We're going to get through them, I think. I think we've got time. So, yeah? All right. Mm -mm. I know there's been some super chats that gone by, and I haven't seen them yet. So... Uh, but I will, I will try to get to those too. Let's see here. Uh, Pastor Nick Buchholz says this, my wife and I have been listening for a while and it has been exactly what we've needed to help clear out some of the white noise. Two questions. How do I get into the local action network y'all are working on? First, send an email to redfist.com. Don't, don't do this. Don't do what I just said. Go to redfist.com slash contact and send a message through that contact page. Um, uh, uh, highlight it to, you know, attention, Frisbee the hand, uh, Lutheran, uh, local action network, Lutheran land, call it the, the, the Lutheran land, L L L A N. Um, uh, I want to know about the Lutheran land. I want to start a chapter where we are. We're interested in being a prototype chapter. Okay. So if you're interested in that, send us your information and that you're interested in being a prototype chapter, uh, leader of this. Um, we have to lay the groundwork behind the scenes first. So there's nothing to connect with yet, except to get on our mailing list, which will then be in the hands of some individuals, hopefully by this fall, who'll be contacting individual groups, and individuals about starting, again, pioneering chapters or villages. I think I want to call them villages. Um, but chapter sounds all right, too. Pioneering chapters. Um, so that's that's how. I uh, Just get on our mailing list right now. Um, and uh, there's, I had great conversations again last week about this. Uh, more more stirring up in it. I think this is really going to happen, which is really kind of cool. And uh, I just hope, I hope, uh, I hope it's fun. That's what I hope. Uh, how do I get on it? You t- I said that already. I'm a pastor in the LCMS Dual Parish, a school in the Northeastern Wisconsin, and would love to be a part of anything that would help strengthen my local church and the church as a whole. Second, after listening this last weekend, my wife had an idea or question for consideration. Have you considered, or is there already some sort of setup for a Lutheran LCMS podcast network, some sort of one-stop where the thinking Lutheran can turn to fill in the vacuousness of white noise and other ensuing distractions. That way, if the particular voice seeks to take a back seat, there are other trusted voices. Yes, yes, yes. And especially with, you know, our, our good friend Brian Wolfmuller uh, disappearing for a couple months here. It's exactly like that, right? Like, where do you go? Um, and and if I were to disappear, you know, you would, where would you go? Uh, I try to not to be shy about recommending Issues Etc., right? Issues Etc. is a fantastic organization, Lutheran Public Radio. They really have three shows now just on their own. So they're a station more than just a show at this point, Lutheran Public Radio. Um Pirate Christian Radio has been a station for a long time and has a ton of stuff on it. I've been on it. I've not been on it. Uh, Issues is on it. And, and you know, I, I don't know. Chris Roseboro, Pastor Roseboro, is, he's got a, his finger in as many things as I do. So unless you're following closely, I have no idea what he's really up to these days. But uh, by and large, he'd be a place you could go for a lot of different Lutheran content or really just good Christian content, too. Um, so, uh, it, but beside that, I have seen... And even small hand have tried to archive the internet myself, and it never works. And the trick is, I think, the only one that could really ever pull off a project like this is a government, right? Uh, and the only one that could do that for us then would be a district or a uh, the church body itself. And that's not what those organizations do. They do not take other things that other people do and promote them. They take what they're doing and promote it. And that's, that's what those organizations are built to do. And so there is no way that I know of to make this happen other than just let the network be. And here's the other thing I would tell you. The thing they will take away last is email. Now, I'm thinking about Gmail not being something I want to hold on to forever for that reason, because when email gets taken away, if it is... Google will be, you know, a big part of that. Um, so, but, but if you have your own, 
um, web server or another one that is not quite as mecha, um, a mega, uh, to be able to have an email wherein you are on the newsletters for all the things you care about. That is, so my stuff, Brian's stuff, Rosebro's stuff, get on the mailing list. You don't even have to read this stuff, right? But in the event of all the other stuff going down, you have your, your network there built in um, for the future. But the other trick is, so like there was a guy who sent me a book a while ago. Um, he'd done some work putting together like uh, reviews of all the various Lutheran Christian-ish podcasts and stuff that was out there. He did a really good job on it. But the problem is, you know, it talked about Worldview Everlasting. Well, Worldview Everlasting is gone. Um, well, okay, what about the rest of the stuff in there? On the internet, it's always changing. So to try to archive what's always changing becomes kind of a, a plague, really. Uh, you're trying to hold up the impossible. So so no, I don't know if there is something like that out there. What I would recommend instead of trying to build a network is to be one yourself, to know what you listen to, and then to be able to recommend it to people, not on a page per se, but to say, you know, hey, if you had a page, have it be like, you know, um, what are you looking for to entertain you with Christianity? Send me a question. And you come back with recommendations, not only of like shows, like big ones, but like, oh, well, have you looked at this, this, and this? That'd be a really cool service. That'd be an awesome service, right? Um, so that that seems more manageable to me then, because now you actually, when people would contact you, you would begin sending them effectively a media catechism, right? Piecemeal at a time. Um, that would be really bueno. Uh, so, yeah, um, a one-stop shop. But the, the one-stop shop doesn't exist. It will never exist. The church is in diaspora, too. We've got to recognize that. And, and And so it's okay that some of this is just out there in the wind, and it's going to be. I was thinking... I preached last Sunday about slavery. I had used the word slavery. And I dropped a line, if you listen carefully, I think you can find it again, where I talk to people like possibly hundreds or thousands of years in the future. And I, I, you know, the goal there is to acknowledge publicly that when you put it on YouTube, you don't know how long that's going to be there and who, what alien might find it <laughs> later, right? And so uh, when you're going to talk about it, something like slavery, and insist, like, look at the times we're living in. It's not what it always is, but here's what we really believe about this stuff, right? Um, who knows what hungry soul is going to find that later? And this is for anything you do. This is every word you speak out into the world. Just because you're by yourself. I remember, I don't like the idea that St. Francis of Assisi preached to the birds. I think that's really kind of a silly thing. The birds know God and praise him all the time without us preaching to them. At the same time, I also know how scary it is to speak the word of God out loud. And so there's nothing wrong with speaking the word of God out loud to your dog first so you can get comfortable with it. And, then, and when your dog, you know, is, is happy with you, now you've practiced saying it. Because honestly, we're, we're monkeys. No, we're not. We're children of God. But we're built to imitate. That's what I meant by monkeys. We are imitators. We are imitators. And so if you don't have practice doing it, you won't do it. We do not lead in that way generally. And women less than men in terms of innovation, uh, generally speaking. So all of that is important in this, right? All of that is important in this. I don't know what you want to take out of what I just said. I mean, you threw me ideas. I'm throwing them back. I can't start anything more than I've already got going. But the Lutheran Local Action Network could be the kind of thing where one chapter decides we're going to start doing this kind of stuff, right? Um, the, the cool thing about the Lutheran Local Action Network Lutheran Layman's Local Action Network, is that um, your chapter development will be up to you. We want chapters to be their own. We don't want to micromanage. It always drives me crazy. I love my little old ladies who are still in the LWL. They're very sweet ladies in my church. That's not always the case, but in my church, they're very sweet. And, and they're so kind. And yet, when I look at what they have to do 
to be part of the LWML, all the hoops they have to jump through that really aren't achieving anything for them. And all they want to do is have cake together, you know? Um, so we don't want to do that to you. We want you to have a, a brand you can get behind, a set of information you can you can hand out to other people, uh, a direction and a network to know what's going on in the world. But then on the ground, you decide how you help your neighborhood. So what we're going to do here, we're going to try to become, if I can, uh, a, a firearm safety men's community group where we, we teach both revolutionary war history and firearm safety, uh, to young people and to ourselves, uh, potentially at some point also, uh, uh, well, yeah, learning to be safe with our weapons so that if we ever had to join a militia, we wouldn't accidentally shoot our friend in the back. Like the guy who did last week for the Antifa group, right? If you didn't look that up, you should look it up. It's just, you can't make it up. It's crazy. So, um, uh, yeah. So the rest of here is all very good. I think we covered most of that. Thank you for doing. He says, and I say thank you for sending me the comment, question, concern, and all of the above. Getting there with James right now. James says this, Hey, Mr. Fisk, I have heard you speak on the place of the husband as the head of the household and as one who leads... I like and agree with everything you said on the matter and want to emulate it. Cool. I try to just say what the Bible says, and it's really different from the world says, but it's not really evil at all, which is kind of cool. Uh, is it possible? It is possible that the que- that this question, however, will betray a lack of understanding in my part. So please help me out if this is the case. Yeah, sure. That's the goal. Um, how does a man lead in a situation where no matter how you slice it, his wife out earns him? Say, <laughs> like, honey, honey, slow down. Oh, oh, you're so awesome, honey. Oh, can you? Oh, honey, you're awesome, <laughs> It's like back and forth, right? It's generally a more competent individual when it comes to life skills. Oh, that's so good too. Look, if you think leadership is about having control, you're missing out. I, it's just that's just it right there. I mean, that's that's the reason why feminism hates man, as it thinks that king is about control, and we do that because we're in fear all of us and we want to be in control to try to stop the fear just creates more fear but uh grabbing for authority gives us the illusion of saving ourselves so how do you how do you lead for real is not by being in control it doesn't mean you brought home the bread now frankly if you're out in the woods and there's no fire and there are tigers prowling around you it's your job to get the bread now dude okay like stop hiding behind your wife and stand up Right. So if that's a problem, you got to work on that one. Right. But that doesn't mean like all I can do is give you what happened in my life this last two months. I'm, I'm going to give you this and, and try to help it in a context. OK, so for the vast majority of our marriage, I have handled the books. I have handled paying the bills. I have handled all the Internet accounts. I've handled all that stuff, not because my wife couldn't. In fact, early in the marriage, she did it for about a year. But then it just the way things were going. She's got all the kids. They're, they're babies. Right. There's like so I, I was doing it. But we got to a point where it was it was really building up and causing me a lot of duress because once a month I'd have to spend a good four to seven hours, you know, trying to kind of put everything back together. Pastors have kind of weird taxes, so there's a lot of bunch of stuff you got to do there. And you have so much information with all the passwords and blah, 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 blah. So it was starting to wear on me. So she took it over. We spent, it took about three months now. We were still kind of in transition of handing over the books. And um, it's been so glorious. Uh, it, What's been glorious about it was that that time that it opened up for me has turned into things like this, more of this. And that's part of why she did it. Now, I could say, well, but shouldn't the man manage the household, right? Because that's kind of the idea, right? Well, if you're the man, you better manage. Like, if you're the manager, you have to manage everything. you got to micromanage. So, no, no, that's not leadership. Leadership is not I have to do it. Leadership is I have the ability to see who's best at doing it. And I can tell you why. And so we can agree. <laughs> that's, that's leadership. 
right? And sometimes, I mean, if you're the man and there's the tiger and there's the woman, like, yeah, like that you're doing it, right? But there's also the how are we a home economy? Now, I will say this, that, that women who have their children not see them the way that workaholic men have their children not see them, I think it might go even worse for those kids than for those who only have the fathers doing that, okay? I'll just throw that one out there for you to chew on. This does not mean there's a right or a wrong answer. It means that you need to be wise and that when you do things, the results are obvious if you write them down and they can be tracked and you might decide that something we love is not something we love. But I can't answer that for you because I cannot tell you that just because your wife makes more money than you, therefore you're not the head of the house. That's that's just complete. I want to use words I can't use. Cronky conky? What, what can I call it? Poopy? Bat poo? It's bat poo. It's just nonsense. This is pride on your part. It's just pride. Look, my, my lovely bride does so many amazing things. And I always encourage her to just believe in them. And if someday one of those things she does turns into some multi-million dollar thing, I'm going to put everything I have into encouraging her to be as great as she can with that. So long as I also encourage her to retain her faith and to love her children and bring them along for the experience and the learning. And in that regard, then, it really doesn't matter where the money is coming from. It matters where the economy is going. That brings us back to that earlier conversation, right? The economy of your house must be going in the right direction. And that's what the man must decide. He must say, we are going this way. And the wife must agree. Now, just because he says, wife, you pick up all the sticks while we walk, I'll pick up this other thing and carry it, right? Well, that's what you guys figure out, right? Hey, how embarrassing is this? My wife and my daughter mow my lawn and I don't pay them. I'll admit it. It's really embarrassing. It's terrible. I have a a riding mower. They do it for me. Why? Two reasons. The time is better spent for me doing more of this. Do you agree? And the other one being, I'm deathly, not deathly. My kids are deathly allergic to some things. I'm, I'm nigh painfully, almost deathly allergic to grass. So that when I go mow lawn, you know what I do all day after that? Suffer. Like you wouldn't believe. Oh, I'll put a mask on. Sure. You know how fun that is. Ha. So um, does that make me not manly? My wife mows lawn, right? Well, we're balancing the tasks so as to manage our economy as best we can. And on the day when we can afford to pay someone to mow the lawn, maybe we will, maybe we won't. It all depends. But where you are is where you are. What you want to do as you begin to discover manhood, then, is not destroy where you are, nor let yourself have sort of like a a childish, knee-jerk, whiny, crying boy, oh, I'm where I am, I don't feel like a man now. Like, like that's our problem, right? It's like, come on, man, get up, right? To yourself, got to do it. Get up. It's fine. The issue is not that she makes more money than you. The question is, do you talk? Do you have conversations? Do you share ideas? Do you make eye contact? Is this regular? Do your kids eat dinner with you on, on a regular basis? Even with sports? Oh, there's no sports right now. <laughs> Isn't it nice? They're around, right? Are you building a future together? Do you share dreams? Do you have plans that line up with her plans for the next 10 years? Those questions are leadership. When you're having those conversations... Because men are more likely to initiate those conversations, especially on big ticket, big picture change items. Women will issue those conversations in terms of where their children are going. They're very attuned to that. But in terms of the whole family economy, they can kind of see it, but they'll float along for a long time without change. Whereas the men, well, either they're watching TV and never changing nothing, or you turn that thing off, you start writing stuff down, you'll start changing stuff. I promise you. You'll pick up a project. I, I've always said before, I'm not handy. And recently I had a friend of me say, I'm not handy. And I, I, I fought back because I'd fought back against myself just that e- earlier week. It's not that I'm not handy. 
is I was too busy watching stuff to do anything. <laughs> and, and it, you know, and so I believed at some point also, it wasn't worth my time to learn how to do this or that. I want to learn how to do this or that. So I learned different tools than, than say a hammer and a screwdriver per se. I can use those, but, but like, that doesn't mean that now I'm not handy. It's just like saying you're not smart or you're not a writer. No, this means you haven't tried yet. Uh, you just got to try. And so there's no reason why, there's no reason why um, you cannot become handy and just do what you need to do where you are. Yeah? Um, so in that, trying to bring it back to the question a little bit here, uh, to be a man then is to learn to trust your own hands. It's not that you have to be handy with a particular tool. It's to know that you have hands God gave you and you want to be good with them and aware of using them. And yes, you can use them flicking like this at a screen. Sure. I do it too. Right. Um, but there's more to life than just that. There's a lot more to life, especially the other people who are out and around you, like your wife and like your kids. So if you want to lead, you got to turn some stuff off and then you got to talk. You got to talk. You got to be, got to lead with words and they can't be like, I declare I'm the father. Now we're going this way. Here we go. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it won't work too well. <laughs> uh, and if you're going to try to set some new patterns of, of listen, son, proverb style, a good way to do that is to open up a book together. And not necessarily Proverbs, though that's a good one, but to open up the book, read a little as a father, and then ask, does everyone understand what this means? And then talk about what it means, right? Afterwards, continue to follow up, continue that family conversation, read more than one book together. Um, uh, it's, it's something we're trying here. I really hope I do it forever. It's, it's hard to say that when I do new experiments, but um, man, the, the idea of conversation at night, every night with my kids is one of the most inspiring things um, I've come across recently and, and getting a good story to talk about so that we can discuss ideas, philosophical ideas, spiritual ideas, leadership ideas. Um, that's a huge part of it as well. Um, so how does a man lead where, you know, no matter what you, that's what's going on. Uh, I'm not in the scenario, my, scenario yet myself, you say, but I could be one day. I have friends who are, how does one lead in that situation? You lead because your wife follows you. If your wife's not following you, then you're not leading. You need to have a really long conversation about it. <laughs> how do we become a, a tuned into Ephesians 5? And it doesn't have anything to do with money. It has to do with what our goal as a couple is. Where are we going? How is our faith doing? Yeah. Uh, are we just two individuals partnering to achieve our selfish goals? Or are we one union, one flesh brought together to be a village and to raise the next era of Christianity? And yeah, if all she cares about is her career, I mean, that's going to make things a little more challenging for you to help raise a culture. <laughs> but at the same time, um, it doesn't mean that uh, the man has to make the most money. I will say the further either man or woman gets away from their children every day, and the longer that goes on, the worse it is for the kids. The, the, both both parents, man and woman, need to be present in that child's life as often as possible. And if that could be all day, it should be all day. It can't be. We're in a fallen world. But, you know, knowing that, it shouldn't be your goal to be as far away as possible. That's just, well, not if you want them to listen to you when they're older. I'll just say it like that. Uh, so thank you for the question. I hope that the answer helps a little bit. We're getting very close to the end here. And then I'm going to have to run away real quick. I'd, I'd love to look at the comments. I'm going to have to leave them for Frisbee to check out. And then we'll, we'll get into them next week. Um, oh, we did this one already. We might be at the end then. I did without flesh already. Yes. So we're down to this last one here. Where are you? Right there. Big long one. I don't even know if I can even read it. So Michael says this. Burr, burr, burr. What time are we at? Take the time. 1024. Oh my goodness. First of all, thank you for addressing so many of my questions, contributions to the, um, and contributions on the SMC. It's been unbelievable refreshing. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, to the issue at hand, lifelong Lutheran. Uh, I will leave the Synod out so as not to overly scandalize this. <clears throat> yeah, so which which synod are we in? We don't know. Uh, recently on my synod's YouTube channel, Time of Grace. Well, that kind of told us, didn't it? Um, the synod isn't mentioned in connection with the channel. Well, 
some of us know. Uh, they have waded into the discussion on race. Of course they did, because it's what you got to do if you are on just being blown by the wind. Uh, I couldn't make it through the first video of the four-part series. It was supposed to be a Christian conversation on race and it ended up being akin to an undergrad seminar. Uh, yeah, like a like a sensitivity seminar, basically. Uh, but it was heavy on emotional sharing, personalized definitions. There was no real scriptural foundation, unless you count some off-topic passages cited at the beginning. Uh, the idea of white privilege, central opponent of the Marxist critical race theory, was at the heart of the conversation, not just discussed, but given credence. Right, right. Useful fools, right? That's the definition according to Marx. Uh, not Marx. Who, is, who came up with the useful fool, though? It's in Marx. It's from Marx, but it's not Marx, I don't think. Anyway, white privilege and the, the idea of, well... Let's just say it this way. White privilege is racism. So what they did was they got up as a bunch of white people and talked about how they were racist and they believe it. It's pretty sad that I'm not, I don't hate people of other color on principle. So, um, it's strange though. I, I, I don't have white privilege. Um, I'm not even really white. I'm Norse. <laughs> I'm Norse. And now I'm an honorary Italian distraction time, distraction time. I'm an honorary Italian. You know why? I figured it out. My son's an Italian. I'm married an Italian. My son's an Italian. Hey, 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 Rocky. Oh, hey, hey, Adrian. Yeah. So I, I, it's, I'm all over it. Italian probably left and right. My son, he's a stallion. There's no doubt. Fides, he's, he's the man. So Italian. Is Italian white? What is white? I'm so tired of white. I don't care about white. White noise? Shut up the white noise, right? There's no white privilege. The privilege I have is I had some really poor, dirt poor farming grandparents who managed to get their kids into schools in a parochial system so that they had middle class lives. That's what I had. Two generations of people working hard, and I have the privilege of being hated for it. That's what white privilege is to me so far. So whatever, whatever. I'm sorry. If we don't talk out against this, it's just going to get worse. It's racism. It is. It is. Straight up. So you want me to listen to you in dialogue about racial harmony? I'm all for it. So stop calling me white and tell me I have privilege. Stop telling me I don't have the right to talk about my own life, my own country. My own brothers. I had someone call me out for not knowing black people recently. This is like, how ignorant. Whatever. You go and hate all you want. You hate all you want. Racism is when you point out the color of somebody's skin as a reason for anything. If it exists, that's it. That's it. White privilege. Whatever. Yankee privilege. Let's talk about Yankee privilege. How about, oh, 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 I can see the, the FBI is coming now. Ha. We'll come to that one later, Yankees. Listen to me and Kuntz uh, on, our, on our new podcast. As someone who has just listened, uh, who has been listening to this very thing for seven years in the context of politics, yeah, I was shocked to say the least. Yeah, well, why? You thought people were paying attention? <laughs> they're, they're, they're not paying attention. Um, no one's reading. No one's reading or writing down. How would we know anything other than what they tell us on the, on the stupid box? Uh, blah, blah, blah. I was shocked to say, yeah. Additionally, they cited James 119, be quick to listen, slow to speak. But then they were out there talking, right? Without having done the reading on Marxism and what, how they're like, parodying it. Yeah. Uh, so to try to get people to be patient with this sensitive conversation. What's sensitive about it? What's sensitive about it? Look, we certainly have a problem in this country of various people groups who have been abused by various systems, mostly in democratic cities. Crazy. I mean, the worst ones. So it's, it's not just Republicans, certainly. I'm not going to say it's just Democrats. I'm going to say there's a lot of industry involved in this. And I'm not even going to say it's industry per se. I think wicked men do wicked things. And when they have the power to make a buck, they do when they're not looking. And every time you have wicked men, that is non-Christian men, because 
non-Christian men have no conscience in the same way that we do. They are willing to twist the truth that they see and still believe it's the truth in order to do what they want. And over time, what that does is it isolates their family and makes their family better and harms the other families. It's at the expense of those families around them. Whether you call those a tribe, whether you call those a village, whether you call it a country, a nation, a state, it doesn't matter. It happens over and over again, and then it falls because it eats itself to death. So what are we supposed to do in the midst of this? Be a sojourning people walking with the bread of life that will never fall, for he is risen and we are paid for. We know that we cannot die, which means that my family has the ability not only to not have to defend itself, it can just see you and help you where you are. And from the beginning, we can build not a utopia on earth, but a faithful sojourning people waiting for that utopia to come when Christ returns. And we do that again by, by love and charity, by honesty. But that's a very different thing than shouting about reparations because the Democrats don't want Trump to be in charge anymore. And just being a stooge. I'm sorry, whoever made the video. I'm sorry. You're like Nadler, right? Is it Nadler? I don't even know his name. He's so old. When he says that the burning in Portland is a right-wing myth, he is only watching, what, CNN and nothing else? And just he actually believes? They believe their own lies. And so if they keep believing their own lies, they can be long before white privilege is the white problem. The white fragility, which that book's even worse. They don't even know that one's out there probably yet. <laughs> it's racism. And they're just repeating it. Talking points. Fools. The church should respond like prophets. Slow to speak. James was not talking about not having a response. Jeez. Anyway, go on. There is, I got to go to this, this, uh, this rally. Someone can shoot me there. Ha! Uh, th- that is a little more than, but yeah, it's a little more than insulting considering that they have been hopelessly uh, silent for the better for a decade on this. Yeah, while my, many, myself included, have had to wade through this racism as completely unassisted. Their 11th hour social gospel response to all this feels like a massive betrayal. Yeah, institutions have been failing for a long time. They haven't been listening for a long time. We've all known this for a long time. We don't have enough money for them for a long time. And now we're watching it be what it is. Uh, especially while, uh, especially being a white person who is automatically then has privilege, right? I have the privilege of being hated for being white right now. I'll tell you that. And thank you very much, not Martha Luther King Jr., because that's not the world he envisioned. And I'll take his world over whatever this world is that we're in right now. What, Cuomo's world? Kaepernick's world? These guys are sharks. Anyway, perhaps... um, Perhaps they get to the gospel in later videos. Yes, I don't know. I'm not going to watch it either. I'm hesitant to go on. Not optimistic. Yeah, I don't blame you. I don't think they are intentionally pushing Marxism. No, very few people do because if they... You have to have time to read to understand Marxism to be able to push it on purpose. You don't have to be understanding it to be the useful fool. You have to not be reading things and not understand Marxism and then you can be the useful fool because they'll take your language, they'll change it, to mean something else and then tell you to keep saying it and you'll mean something different to everyone who hears you then. And so you'll actually be preaching against your own self at a certain point. And then down you will fall, right? The coward is buckled by Marxism, always. Uh, so, uh, blah, blah, blah. perhaps they get to the gospel in later videos. Oh, you said that already. I said that already. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I'm just a layman. No, you're not. You're a Christian. Uh, and with a moderate understanding of scripture, well, okay, you're a Christian. So don't, don't, don't demean yourself. It doesn't, doesn't do you well in the letter. Um, nowhere near enough to fully analyze and critique this. Well, I don't know. I think you did a pretty good job. You, you're bothered by it. You don't like it. And you're right. So I just stop listening like you're going to. And not worry about it too much because really what are they going to do? Until they come and give you a reason to listen to them and say, we have information that no one else is telling you for you as the church of God on earth. Please listen. Well, you should listen then. But until they do that and they just hem and haw and repeat what the white noise is already saying, 
Okay, I don't know. Talk to your pastor instead. He's probably far more faithful. I hope he is, right? And then if he's not, well, that's a different question, right? It's a different question. Uh, well, here you go. My pastor has pushed these videos out on the congregation, so I don't have much hope. Well, I disagree with that. I think you should talk to him precisely for that reason. Um, if he doesn't listen, well, um, why are you there? I mean, is he a reasonable guy? Uh, I listen to pe- I try to listen to people that disagree with me. I don't. That doesn't mean I change my mind, but I try to be really like, let's have an honest conversation. Let's move each other in the right direction together, right? Like that's important, and that's what Christians are supposed to do. So, you're a Christian, you know the Scripture. What you're supposed to do is go talk to their pastor about this, right? Not just me. Uh, and, and and I mean, who knows what pressures he's under himself? Who knows what help he needs right now from you? You don't know till you ask. Should I confront this? Yeah, you should talk to him. You should say, look, I'm really concerned. Basically, it made me feel like I'm a racist, but I think it's racist against me. Just leave it at that. Yeah. And on him, I may just be a layman. You can use that one on him if you want. I don't, I don't buy that. Laymen are really smart people. Humans are really smart people. But, uh, you know, it's, the difference between a layperson and an ordained person is whether or not you are authorized to preach, whether or not you are authorized to handle the Lord's Supper publicly, you know, not whether or not you're authorized to make sense when the Bible is coming out of your mouth. So, uh, anyhow, I would, I would definitely talk to him about it. Um, how do you find a new church? Uh, send a contact to, uh, refist.com slash contact, uh, highlight it and say, Frisbee, connect me with the Wolfmuller church connection. And then we'll, we'll figure that one out behind the scenes for you. There's a way that, uh, our friend Wolfmuller does have uh, a way to find a church if you need one, which is pretty cool. It doesn't just involve watching his services online. Although those are usually a pretty good idea too. I think it's just easier if I do it that way. That brings us almost to the end, except I've got a whole bunch of you super chatting me or not a whole bunch but i've seen at least one two thank you thank you thank you i have to run to this thing three we'll try to get four thank you so michael desert rose jedi knight ryan learman uh thank you so much for your super chats michael schuler throws one in there this morning um we'll try to get all these into the questions for next week uh i really want to make this rally for the police downtown with my family i think it's pretty important for us so i'm going to go ahead and hop over here for one second and say, uh, I'm going to go away. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for tuning in. I, the show continues to be a joy to do. The more that I just chill and let you lead me and what you need me to tell you, the better this seems to get. And all y'all are what make it possible. Don't forget that the Mad Mondays newsletter is kind of the it's kind of the heartbeat of information behind it all. We are data mining first source information for you across a gambit so that you can be a thinking Christian in our present age. Um, so that's there. And don't forget, you also can submit to that. We don't want to just be doing it all four of us in a corner like the more eyes on the ground we have the better so illuminati only need apply is a section that's for you to submit your own writing where we will publish it if we think it's valuable and it's been happening pretty regularly as well as your recs if you got recommendations on various tools gadgets whatever you have that you think is valuable can end up in the clickbait so that all needs to go into redfist.com slash contact two. make sure if you're sending a recommendation you put in the title something like recommendation right or uh, something like illuminati application something like that but you are going to be what makes the show and and uh, the, the e-magazine and everything else. It's the network that makes it valuable. When we get the Discord channel going, which I think is the direction we're going to lead next in terms of development, again, it's going to be what you do with each other on the ground including with that Lutheran layman network that goes on everywhere else that matters most. The show is just the flag. I'm waving the flag, right? Life starts now as you turn around and start putting your faith into practice. And I hope you took some notes. Make sure in the next 24 hours, you at least write down like three really key, like skim it, skim it for the three biggest ideas. You'll write down 10, but, but the biggest ideas, write those down again. And I promise you, before you know it, some of the stuff's going to start coming out of your mouth in ways that surprises you. And we are going to... <laughs> We're going to shock the world. I don't know. I don't know. They might all still ignore us and call us crazy, but I don't think anybody's ready. I don't think anybody's ready for what's about to happen next. Yeah. Um, let's just, let's just let our Lord decide. Let's let our Lord decide all these things. We know that 
We're going to be held faithful by him in him. The command is to watch. And then when we watch, we see him. We know the day we die is the day we die because he allows it to happen. We know his angels are given charge over us. And you cannot drive faster than your angel can fly. You cannot sin more than your angel can beat you back to church where Christ is sufficient again. So in this way, I mean, what else is there? You know, it's so true. I mean, there's no way around it. You are not allowed to wallow in the muck with those who have no hope. Instead, you know what we do here, right? We lift up our eyes and look for that day. It's coming soon. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Rock on. Was that worth a dollar? Click the Patreon link in the show notes to sign up. Pretty please? (laughs) 